The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, I am your host, Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter and CB Caps on Instagram. And that sound effect is yours comes from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? You gotta love it every time. Uh, representing BK to the fullest. Yes, folks, we are here again. Like we are pretty much every Thursday night. You're welcome. Stop. Um, <laughs> bring you to another edition of Comic Chronicles. And we are going to be, um, well, we've got new releases this time. And no, I have not forget forgotten the intro, the rest of the intro, but I just wanted to get that out of the way real quick. Because you can also find this here program. Sometimes I got all swear it. You know what I'm saying? Or sometimes you just almost forget and then you just put yourself back on track. But it doesn't matter. Uh, you can also find this here po- podcast on the Coles Leather Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Coles Leather Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Probably in a couple other places, you know, that's some, one of those off boot, uh, you know, offshoot sites that kind of do stuff. But, you know, those sites, legit. Um, again, like I said, we are here doing another uh, set of new releases. We got a whole brand new bag of stuff. It's glorious. And we're going to get into it right now, starting with Amazing Spider Man number 46. So this is uh, the second, well, I guess the second actual chapter, not counting that, um, you know, like the prelude stuff of the Sin Rising uh, arc, which in some part plays into that whole kindred thing, but, you know, or at least the, the starting chambers of, I guess. But this is dealing with the, the Sin Eater, who's pretty much a, a reborn uh, Spider-Man villain from what the ladies late eighties or nineties? No, eighties. Yeah, this is we're not even late eighties. We're talking pre. Uh, this is like mid eighties at the earliest that because right. uh, we're talking pre Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, this, this senior character is, is back from the dead, and uh, with 
a new power set, a new slash old power set. Right. I mean, and, right. and I say Peter old Rock had a power set before, so well, now he's got one. basically. And I say old was because it was, and it's not really a power set in that because basically he was uh, like Scourge or the Punisher, except for with less morals. Went, well, which, which in Warped the Scourge place, you know, yeah, which yeah. in Scourge's case is, you know, <laughs> pretty much the right. same. Um, but he's back in, in terrorizing villains. But in this in particular issue, we see uh, Spidey and some folks, well, Spidey and Carly, um, who I totally forgot who this character was until, you know, um, fairly recently, like. Right, Carly Cooper. They had to reintroduce her. Exactly. Yeah, and they did during. But she had been away for a while. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly during that that prelude thing that I was just just, just mentioned. Um, like, wait, who is this person? Oh, right. That that was the thing that happened. So, and she has popped up like in recent years. So you know, especially with that last part where she said uh, when you know when she was talking to Mary Jane or whatnot. Regardless, uh, they're recounting uh, something that recently happened with uh, Spidey following. I mean, f- uh, fighting the Lethal League at ESU, um, and the Senator showing up and causing havoc there. But uh, in a kind of slow to, sort of a twist that seemed like something that would actually happen in today's times. Uh, instead of the people that were actually witnessing everything going on being kind of traumatized for it, they were applauding. So, right. Um, well, because of what they perceive to be happening and what actually happened, because they uh, they end up finding out what actually happens, which exactly. is interesting. Yeah, because it seemed to be happening so more they, than because the reveal at the end of the last issue was that something happened, and then you know Spidey thought that that was the end of it, but we end up find out, come to find out that wasn't the end of it. And he ends up finding out, or he also ends up finding out that you know what he right, thought happened wasn't the case. Right. What I was going to what I was going to add is that what we find is that um, these interviews. What what we're getting are um, both uh, eyewitness on the scene interviews as well as reaction interviews after, and you know so of, of, of are, the bystanders uh, and the victims of this particular attack on um, uh, yeah on ESU. And um, it's interesting because they actually find out what the after effects of the Sin Eater attack are. They actually find out that these people, spoiler alert, mild, mild spoiler alert, because uh, we did mention that uh, Sin Eater actually possesses a power set now. But I will ring the spoiler bell in three, two, one. So... What 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 I'm ringing the spoiler bell about, and what these what these bystander characters find out, is that the Sin Eaters, quote unquote, victims don't actually die. They actually are um, depowered, and yeah. and uh, well, actually, no. What we find out first is that they are. I guess rehabilitated might be the. Well, that's why I said kind of cleansed, but it is it's kind of weird. Yeah cleansed, yeah, cleansed might be a good way to put it too, but it seems like rehabilitated is another way. Yeah, um, you know, but, it's, a, it's both in the same vein. Yeah, but also rehabilitated to rehabilitated to the point where, so you know, the villains, you know, obviously villains sometimes don't really have much compunction about the, some of the things they do and who they hurt. 
this co- takes it the complete opposite of the way. And not only do, you know, one, like Agent 7 said, they don't have their powers anymore if they had any powers, but which actually, so the most not to think about it, everybody he's gonna going after has, has, has powers. Uh, that just has. Actually, no, world, no, is Whirlwind? Yeah. Well, yeah. He, yeah, he that, does have power. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, because I think at one point they said he's a mutant. I believe that they, they've they've I don't know if that still stands or if that was actually the, a thing, but I feel like they they've said that before. But basically, he's he's I guess he's kind of a speedster. So right. So essentially, the Sin Eater takes on the Lethal Legion. Um, you know, it's one of those uh, Avengers here, uh, Avengers villains, villain groups, right. team ups that uh, you know we just sort of forget about. They they happen. You know, they happen to come across your pages, uh, you know, randomly and few and far in between. Um, but, you know, this is the Living Laser, Great Gargoyle, uh, Whirlwind, and uh, Count Nefaria. You know, a deep, you know, like an underpowered Count Nefaria in this case. Yeah, a deep cut for some folks. Um, you know, well, Count Nef- I was about to say Count Nefaria, like, you've seen him, like, be like a Hulk or Thor-level powerhouse, depending right. on how jacked up he is, you know? Right. But I'm saying deep cut because granted, I think he has been seen in, in the last couple few years, probably in a place or two, but not that often. I understand. Yeah. Um, but regardless, so yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, it just said, they're, de- they're depowered and also they pretty much are fearful um, for lack of a better word because they're like, yeah, not only they are, they, they, are, they show major regret in what they've done for for the most part, you know, to the to the point of causing them to have um uh to stutter and just you know you know as they if they said as they were going to Ravencroft because apparently we end up seeing um uh one Nor Winters go to Ravencroft and uh you know to to you know to uh basically a check on them knowing having found out that yeah everybody's seeing that they're kind of back alive again and you know what they're going through and they've been put some for some reason in ravencroft uh to, and it also went there to get a, an interview with one of them which i think was uh kind of very not to think about it so they're depowered they're really re- re- really regretful and stuttering and you know all that kind of jazz um, but we also find out during this point where she's, uh, I guess, what, Norma Osborn, spoiler alert, is the head of Ravencroft at this point now? Right. What's actually, what's funny about this is that this was revealed in that, um, uh, that, that pandemic era, <laughs> the pandemic era limited series that was published electronically only. Right. And I think. I think we're going to get it in print at some point. I think so. Yeah, that is one of the ones that's coming back in print. I believe. Right. Uh, it's it, you know the Raven the the Carnage Ravencroft. I you know I forget what the title was. It was there was one but, that, was, that was just called Ravencroft, and then there was a couple of other little miniseries that was side of it. Right. So yeah, the you know we find out in the main Ravencroft series that, uh, and and it's you know it's not completely necessary to read that because yeah. we find out in this issue and it's a recap. That uh, Mayor Fisk has placed uh, Norman Osborn in charge of Ravencroft, and of course there is the inmates running the asylum uh, joke that Norman went to says, which in this case, knowing Norman Osborn's history, is kind of true. All right. Uh, so that kind of happens. Um, 
and I can't remember the and of course there's a little bit of, there's a lot of exposition about what's going on and 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 uh with with these villains and then we cut back to Spidey and Carly talking and there with Overdrive who Spidey finds out is still alive but he's in some kind of critical condition um but then at the end of the story uh which I don't know if you got flashbacks of the original Sin Eater story f- from this last part um well, we s- we see one Nora Winters walking back to her car, talking to J. Jonah James. Oh, right. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, she gets in her car and she finishes talking and then something happens. Which Right. Something does happen. Uh, or we, get, or we perceive read. something happens. Right. Did you actually go back and read the original story? Uh, uh, the original story after we talked about it the other day. The other I, no, I did not. But at that part, I do remember, and I feel like I read something that if it wasn't, it was probably that the the prelude that kind of uh, right. also brought that back up. Right. 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 So, so something happens that's kind of reminiscent of something that happened to one of Spidey's friends in the original Sin Eater uh, storyline. Uh, we don't know if the same thing has happened here or. Whether Sin Eater thought, you know, you know, she was within, which not the game, given how they had her characterized, probably wouldn't be out of out of stretch for like, no, you got a lot of sin on you. So we'll see how that that plays out next issue. I thought this was a, you know, pretty straightforward uh, issue, but it was pretty good. You know, like I said, we got a little bit more exposition uh, about you know what's been happening. Spidey's kind of up to date on 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 what's going on now, or a little bit more right, anyway. It's- what I was going to say is this issue was half told in flashback mm-hmm. and that's what made it very uh, exposition heavy because we get a lot of reflection as, as well as narration. So we are brought up to speed and filled in as to what happened and the only stuff that's really happening in real time or at least as far as the reader is concerned is towards the end of the book. So the vast majority of the issue is um, – of the book is told in flashback, so we get a lot of this extra uh, narration and exposition that maybe we wouldn't have gotten if this would if this would be if this would have been the story told in real time. Right. Um, but we get this really interesting uh, reflection by these, you know, as I mentioned before, by these uh, bystander eyewitness characters and. It was just very, you know, it was a very interesting take on what people would see as what the Sin Eater is doing. And it's obviously illuminated by the fact, or it's it's supplemented, really, by the fact that they know what happens to the quote-unquote victims afterwards. Right. So, you know, it's it's harder to judge them, but at the same time, in the immediate aftermath, I think they're they're like, hey, he's a, he's like a better Punisher. Yeah, they, so, yeah, they actually said that, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, or at least one kid or something, some, 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 something said that. And I think they said something else after that about that, but I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're starting to find people just out there rooting for Cindy to, to do a thing. And I'm thinking, I'm guessing that was before, like, I'm that, that, that part I wasn't really clear about because it was like, okay, it is assumed that this, after finding that out, that the villains that uh, Senator goes to presumably take care of or that that presumably at first die to come back to life 
Like, I don't know if this, if that was still set after that, or if that was just initial where he just took him out, and the, which is why the Punisher, you know, references was because right. obviously the whole coming back to life thing kind of changed. Right, right, right. That was the initial reaction, right? right? That was the initial reaction. I don't, you know, uh, what you call it? Um, uh, as I mentioned, they actually find out like soon after what happens, and it's and and I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Like, yeah, we watched this person get a magical hole blown into their chest, and now they're they're alive again so. right but they're still like woo, 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 he did a thing yeah. and like he did what the what the heroes couldn't do and he's exactly. the puncture so i was like okay well yeah there's a thing so i assume there's going to be something coming out of that one at some point exactly all right but i think we're pretty much done off of that one like i said i enjoyed the read it was like i'm we're not entirely sure where this is going we knew it know what's leading up to something uh something bad for spidey for certain but I thought this was a well done story. Like mm-hmm. I said, having you know, having more told to us in the in in the mode in, in flashback mode really does help. Mm-hmm. And also helps with the creepiness too, because we're getting a lot more characterization of it as well. There's like a, a, a and it's uh, something that he puts into Spidey's uh, uh, exposition and dialogue, where there's like this constant sense of dread. And a constant sense of, you know, foreboding mm-hmm. that that the character is feeling. And it gives us that same feeling as well. Us as the readers. True. All right. So now we can push on to something else. Uh, let's go to Immortal Hulk number 36. All righty. Okay. So did you... Did you when you started reading this, did you get a sense? Did you get a like a wait? How is this going? Like you, you know, like what's going on at the beginning of this page? Like knowing, you know, because the the last issue wasn't that far back, but it took a second for me to realize that okay, wait, they were pretty much uh, a ground zero at a gamma explosion, and right. everyone else pretty much behind. You know the crew that whose perspectives we see in this from, or behind, is pretty much gone, with the exception of these people. And you know, quote unquote, Rick Jones is is messed up. But I think I'm guessing he was the one that was protecting, uh, like Jackie and crew, from right. the, the gamma exposure. But probably at first, un- probably unintentionally, to be honest. Yeah, that was, again, exactly, because that was the other thing I was kind of was like, wait, well, he's the one kind of pretty much doing this, uh, you know, because everyone in that world doesn't know what happened to Rick Jones, but we have a sense of, uh, we as a reader have a sense of what's going on. So we know that, that there's some manipulations going on. Uh, but yeah, that was what was like, well, wait, was that intentional or I'm, I'm going to assume that was intentional because you don't want it to seem like, you know. He didn't want anything to kind of point to him in a situation. You know, he could just still be, or like, he could still be in the picture, but also still affecting things that we see in this issue. So anyway, like I said, the last issue there was a, a gamma explosion from the Hulk, uh, which takes out pretty much takes out the town they were in. Hulk's pretty much um, like, oh, I don't know why I did this. I don't know what happened. Meanwhile, like I said, Rick Jones is quote unquote Rick Jones is is uh, manipulating things. Uh, we get a fight with Gamma Flight that comes into Pletcher uh, while uh, Doc Sampson and the doctor, whose name is escaping me at this point, is trying to pull Hulk out, but the gamma radiation is making it hard for them to do. 
but yeah, we get this fight with Gamma, Gamma, Gamma Flight. And I do love uh, Titania's, um, <laughs> Titania's um, Z- zest, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, her confidence in, in the fact that, now mind you, Titania is a very strong character or a strong enough character who's never really beat She-Hulk. So what made she? Th- what made her think she was going to beat up the Hulk? I don't know, but I, I, I applaud her for him. But then again, her man was in trouble, so that you know that that makes people you know that makes people right. kind of think. I was about to say adren- adrenaline does crazy things to people. Sure, but it also I think helps her that she is quote unquote on the side of the angels now. Yeah, and she has. You know, she's never been, you know, she, she's been a mean character, but not necessarily an evil character. Right. She basically has done what she does to get kind of get by her and Creole. Right. Right. Going back to going back to uh, her very, very first appearance in Secret Wars, mm-hmm. the first Marvel superhero Secret Wars, um, you know, the character has never really been, you know, that the evil scheming type but I definitely see the characterization here, especially as you mentioned, when her man is in danger and uh, we're, we are referring to Crusher Creel, a.k.a. the Absorbing Man. So um, I like that um, the reporter Jackie is Jackie McGee, you right. know, not exactly Jack McGee. She's the polar opposite of Jack McGee because she knows, you know, uh, you know, not to get the Hulk you know, in, in a sense, not to get the Hulk angry. In, in this case, she is uh, observing the Hulk and, 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 and seeing that he's really not trying to fight back. Mm-hmm. And what I just noted as you were going through your quick recap of the opening sequence is that the Hulk is having a pity party. And he's essentially kind of whining, saying, oh, it all goes bad. It hap- Everything bad happens to my friends. I cause everything. Right, and, because this is, you know, I think we've understood that this is Child Hulk, uh, Childlike Hulk that is, that is in, in the front. Right. Well, I was about to say it's, a di- it's even a different type of Childlike Hulk, too, because it's not, um, uh, it, it's not what we've traditionally seen as, you know, just leave me alone. Right. Actually, we got uh, you know. Obviously, this is in the in the in the wake of him uh, almost literally blowing his top, you know, in the form of emitting a a, a gamma explosion. So, um, at the end, you know, at the at the uh, at the end of their their little interaction, Titania does something that uh, decides, you know, that that uh, provokes the Hulk. We'll leave it. You know, we'll yes. we'll. we'll will be very, very honest. You know, she actually provokes this response. And well, I think at, at at some prodding of Rick Jones. Oh, of course. You know, because he is definitely still like, well, hmm, let me see what I could do with this and this and this. So yeah, he is definitely doing some some mental mental prodding of uh people at play. So yeah, she probably would have done it any she probably would have done something anyway, but I think Especially even Hulk's response was probably what could be conceived as like him prodding things along, um, you know, as, as he's as he's doing. So, yeah, that happens, though, regardless. And. Um, and then it, and then the story kind of kind of pivots back to Gamma Base, where we see, you know, um, uh, Doc Sampson and the doctor still trying to get the Hulk out of there. Uh, and obviously, you know, um, Absorb Man gets back into play, and, and and it's like, 
hey, all right, I could become Gamma because he's the Absorber Man. Because so of course he could. Uh, and then, of course, Rick Jones kind of plays with that, or he starts to corner play with that, or he says he's going to anyway. But we pick back to the Gamma base where where they're trying to scramble and get the Hulk out of there. And then something happens at the end of the issue um, that I say in my notes kind of reminds me of X Men First Class. I don't remember the movie, but uh, it definitely reminded me of the unfortunate. Uh, sequence uh, near the end of the Ang Lee Hulk. Okay, so I still haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. So save yourself the trouble. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Or, or if I if I have, I've totally blanked on it, but I didn't. I, I I don't remember if I have seen it. Anyway. Right. So you know the one underneath it all is still pulling the strings. Um, Which we're assuming that's the leader. What's that? We're assuming that's the. Le- oh wait, no. In that case, yeah, yes, no. You're right. I forget what I was about to say because right, right. Yeah, the yeah. leader. The, I was about to say the leader's in contact with the one underneath it all. Right, but I think he's the one uh, that's possessing Rick. The leader's possessing Correct. Rick, and like you said, the, the one beneath it all is is um is uh, manipulating this other side of the thing. Which yeah, so kind of a slight spoiler if you've seen x-men first class you will note that there was a particular character that died of the uh from the x-men crew you already know i that's pretty much all i have to say on that one and kind of the way that the person died here much less the the, the fact that this person was black but that's beside the point um and had a kind of similar and kind of I didn't even... And kind of had a similar name. was one of the staffers, I gotcha. Yeah, and kind of have a, a slightly similar name to the person that died in X-Men First Class. That kind of put me in, in into that. I don't know if that was intentional or that's just me pulling it out of the air, but I was like, that's, hmm, weird. But, um... I wouldn't put it past Al Ewing, I'll be honest. Uh, yes. You just pulled that as a reference. You know what? And shout out to Al Ewing. Oh, speaking of shout out to, uh, to Al Ewing and crew, because yeah, so that happens at the end of the issue. I do you uh, do you um, remember the the homage or the Easter egg on page seventeen? Jeez, you're giving up page numbers. Because I thought that was kind of cool. So there is a particular panel that pretty much has the name of a, a um of of a person of note. In the Marvel uh, in Marvel history, uh, an, an artist, if I'm not mistaken, seventeen. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's digitally it's seventeen, so I don't know if it is physical. If you got physical, but <laughs> give me a give me a. Uh, uh... But it is pretty cool. That's all I will say. And I was like, oh, that was. Oh, oh, you mean what Creel says? What Crusher Creel says? No, 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 no. Um, um, oh. Laying on the ground, you see some see some letters on the ground, and it spells out a name. Oh, I did not even see that. That's <laughs> funny. Because I did it's, not even see that. I was like, wait, I see some letters. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that, so that was some pretty. Uh, that's a pretty. That's a nice catch. Yeah, nice catch. Uh, I'm not sure who the artist because I because I looked to see it was like wait is that the artist in here it's, but I know they wouldn't do that yeah, to themselves it says, but it says Sal Buscema right that's so funny so that's the uh, artist that's totally uh, right Sal, Sal, Sal Buscema is is on a, uh, is a is an artist and okay Bennett is still doing the art on this yeah because I was like because I had to look and see if like wait yes yeah, Buscema wouldn't put his name in I mean that would be pretty, pretty cool to be I don't usually I don't even know if Buscema's still alive is he 
He's old. Yeah, he's the last guy. When I met him, he was old, and that was like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, according so to say he's, he's still he's, around. He says he's eighty-four, or the uh, or uh, Google says he's eighty-four and not dead. So cool. And I'm not trying to kill the man. So <laughs> right, not wood. Yes, very much. But yeah, Sal Bazuna, Prisima, very good artist. Uh, I remember some of the stuff. Uh, well, he's a longtime Hulk artist. Yes, you know he's got one of those. He had. I actually have a sketch. I got a sketch from him. Um, uh, and, and there's a few characters that he had in my mind done really iconic renditions of. One of them is the Hulk. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the, uh, the long haired, the long haired, um, uh, uh, rampaging Hulk, you know, the Hulk of Hulk 300. Um, that was all Sal Buscema. He was a, a mainstay in, in 80s Marvel. And uh, that's pretty cool to see that little tribute there. In, oh, in. the other character I, that I actually got a sketch of was the Green Goblin. His oh, Green nice. Goblin was really like just crazy. Nice, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much uh, Immortal Hulk thirty six in a nutshell. Um, like the, st- trucking its way on to, to fifty in its last runner, but you know, still gonna enjoy the ride until it gets there. I was about to say that's still a year. Yeah. You've still got a solid year unless they decide to double ship, which I don't think they're doing. Well, so we still. But didn't 35 come out like a couple of weeks ago? I think this is just pandemic shipping catching up. Mm, probably. So, um, yeah, we did just get we did just get one two weeks ago. But like I said, I don't think um, I don't think we've got to worry too much. But you know, a year can go very quickly, especially yeah. if you're in quarantine. So, and especially uh, if the book is good. Well, that too. <laughs> so you know, it just seems to come out rapid fire, or at least seemingly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are still kind of in flux. So uh, that being the case, we will move on, and I guess we can. Um, well, I, you can. You pick out the where we go next. Well, for, what I, I was going to say is we going. can talk. We can we can ease our way into the X corner of the universe. There we go. Yep. And maybe wrap with. Uh, much we'll call it with Empire stuff and mm-hmm. you know and, and kind of head into rapid fire with that. Um, we can talk about Marauders number eleven. Hit it. Alright, so um, we open this book on very somber notes. The cover the the actual um, the main the A cover for the book by Russell Dowderman uh, is you know, and and we're not spoiling anything here. It's it, it's the funeral of Kate Pride, as um, as they're as they're letting her body go out to sea, at least on the cover. Um, well, and in the, the, the but yeah, no, no, but like you know, I'll, I'll get into what actual what 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 actually happens sure. as we the story of the book. So, so uh, the, the the issue opens with um, a letter narrated by. Kurt Wagner, uh, our very own Nightcrawler, who is writing a note to or letter to uh, Kate Pride on the day of her funeral. You know, basically saying, you know, until we meet again. And the the funeral proceeds uh, in this you know in this opening of the issue. We have uh, some surprising characters who are on the beach to see. Uh, Kate Pride's casket off of Krakoa, and there's actually uh, a notable absence 
in this, I don't know if you noticed, I noticed that Colossus wasn't there. Yeah. Like, but, I actually was looking for him in the uh, in the lineup of the procession um, that, that that's portrayed here, and he's noticeably absent. Which I feel like that's also is, um, and something that will probably come up later in the story. I feel like that will probably be that something will we'll, we'll know why. Because we can't really say... We know he shows we up in another book this this week, but we can't say that's right. the reason why. I was about to say we sort of know why because he might not be on Krakoa, right? Because of that's all I will say. Right, he might not be on Krakoa when this happens because of, uh, you know, because of what we see in another book. But ultimately, um, as, as as her her body's laid uh, in you know in in a little boat uh, and cast into the ocean, they set a funeral pyre. Right. That's what I knew you were getting to. Right. So, well, and that as, part right there was kind of funny because, as, as well, not funny, but as I said in my notes, like, what if it ended up being as like, well, she was still alive, but she just had no access to her body, like she was in the astral plane or something, and they just set her body ablaze. Now, granted, that that's probably still a small issue given, you know, they have resurrection protocols, but that still would have been like, well, no, you, y'all just did this and didn't necessarily have to. Or you actually, well, or you actually killed her because she was actually still in her body, but just could, was, you know, couldn't phase out right, for some odd reason. Out, right. What we find out is that they had actually already tried several times. Exactly. Which we've seen in other books. Her. Yeah. Right. At this point, they had tried several times to resurrect her through the resurrection protocols to and, no avail. And they gave a specific number on that for some reason. That, sorry. And they gave right. a specific number 18, for that for some reason. Eighteen. Right. So, what we find out is that, unbeknownst to us. And I don't remember if this is something that happened in the background. I'd have to flip back to uh, the events that led to Kitty Pride's murder at the hands of, spoiler alert, I'll ring the bell just in case folks are behind on their reading. You know, at the hands of Sebastian Shaw. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to say I, I, I sort of remember Lockheed being around. He was, yes. In and fact, it's, Lockheed was taken care of kind of sort of before Kitty was. And it's interesting to see that uh, Lockheed confides in, of all people, of all people, Emma Frost. Mm-hmm. And it's to Emma Frost that he reveals the true nature of what happened to Kitty Pride, And she vows uh, revenge. Yep. So in the meantime... As they as as they plot to uh, you know to to have uh, 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 to take revenge on Sebastian Shaw and Lockheed is recuperating from his injuries. Essentially, what they do is uh, convince uh, Professor X and convince the rest of the Krakoan Quiet Council to give Resurrection another try. We also have uh, an interlude in which. Uh, we follow up on some of the recent stories in Marauders. You know, not to be left out in the cold, we have uh, 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 a brief interlude with a member of, I believe it's the U.S. State Department. I believe so. The, the X-Desk. They don't necessarily say who they're with, but we do know it's a governmental. So it could, it could be CIA, it could be, like you said, State right. Department, it could be, you know. Right, some 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 form some some branch of the, uh, the the official U.S. government response to the developments on Krakoa, right? Called the X Desk, and 
uh, one of the uh, you know one of the, uh, the 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 members of this um, government agency makes contact with Storm, and uh, they have an exchange regarding uh, some of the recent things that have been happening in uh, Marauders uh, regarding um, uh, misappro or, or or stolen shipments of uh, Krakoan uh, uh, medicines. You know, uh, we flash. You know, we 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 leave that particular uh, interlude and go back to the, I guess, the 18th try at resurrecting Kitty Pride. And uh, what's interesting about this is that it comes as a bit of inspiration. Yes. After uh, after Nightcrawler says. Uh, mentioned something about her, you know, about the nature, the nature of, uh, uh, I, I want to call her shadow cat. That's how I always refer to her as, you know, as a fan, you know, obviously I've read a lot of her as bright, you know, uh, kind of coming up as a really young kid, but I really knew her as shadow cat, you know, like later in her X-Men run. And when she became a part of Excalibur, but, um, but essentially, uh, you know, what, what Nightcrawler mentions gives uh, Emma Frost, again, Emma Frost, of all people, some some inspiration and leads us to, uh, you know, hold on. I'm looking for the correct uh, sound effect. And forgive me, folks, I am going to come up ah. It actually leads us to a successful resurrection. Yes, of Catherine, Kate, Kitty, Pride. They had us on. They had us on the hooks for so long, and and it, and it kind of came out good because I was so like we were talking before the show. Um, uh, there was this whole rumor set going back to Dawn of X, saying that well she can't, you know, do well Kate can't uh, go through the gates because maybe because she's not a mutant and that's going to come out and the resurrection protocol is not working is because that's kind of playing into that and I kind of postulated that well okay now that she's back alive we know that they just need to, to change the protocol for her a little bit because of the nature of her powers and the fact that she was indeed as we saw uh, when she actually died she was trying to phase out but she couldn't because she was being held by some stuff uh, at the, the point she was dying so and that is why the the protocols before now had not worked, which also leads me to to a question: Whatever happened to the and like you said, yeah, we don't know if the, I'm not sure if this this was the 18th try or it was 18 times before this. That part's not entirely clear, but we can we I guess we can assume that this is the 18th time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where did all those bodies go? And is that a thing that's going to come up at some point? Because <laughs> one. That's- because one Nightcrawler makes a point to asking, you know, wait, but makes most making a point of wait, it's eighteen times to the tribe, but he kind of keeps buttoned up about it. He's like, no, nah, no reason, but there has to be something about that. Um, that that's because I feel like that's not something that's just not for no reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the fact that well, there's eighteen bodies that were still viable is just that the fact that you know, and this is this is kind of the reason why they don't resurrect people. You know, without knowing whether they are alive or not, because you know they don't. I assume because they don't want something like this to kind of happen. 
but they right. tried seven, 18 times, and now there are 18 other bodies floating around or something. They don't have, they have made say in this issue that they don't have cemeteries on Krakoa. So those bodies hadn't been, as far as we know, buried. So I'm kind of just kind of curious if that's going to be a thing that's going to come up at some point. Right. So I think it's interesting. And obviously, you know, the, 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 the relationship between Emma Frost and Kitty Pride has been developed for this book, you know, as you know, to, to, to place to place Kitty Pride as a member of, you know, as the Red Queen, as the member of the Hell, as a member, a newly installed member of the Hellfire Club's inner circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, one last note uh, before we move on is that she's in her reincarnated body, obviously without those awful hand or finger tattoos that she got. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm just not a fan. Right. But. Uh, knows i think she might get new ones uh if you if you take a look at um i think uh <laughs> yes if you yeah if the cover of the, the what could be the cover of the next issue is to be believed yeah she's probably gonna get new tat new knuckle tats right um but yeah also one other thing to note before we leave that so um on the cover of this book that says uh, just like the the next book we're going to talk about, it says this is the path to ten of swords or X of swords, uh, mm-hmm. which in which I'm not sure how that plays into this, how this issue plays into that because I don't recall anything that specifically called out anything, unless it's the stuff with like Storm and the X desk or something like that. But like the stuff with the resurrection protocols and Kitty has kind of been a just a thing, so I don't know. But regardless, here we are, uh, Marauders 11, this particular click of the week, you know, if only for, for Kate being back alive again, because I was so happy to see that. Because um, they were kind of, like I said, they had us on the stream for a long time. I wasn't sure whether they were going to keep us there or, like, nah, she's just dead, dead. <laughs> There's nothing we could do. Right. And it's weird, you know, and it's it's funny how our, and obviously we are comic book fans and we've seen, you know, and I hate to put it, in such a, a, a flippant way, but we've seen so much death in comics. But when we see, uh, you know, but but as a result of what the story, what, what where the story has gone with regards to Hawks Pox and Krakoa and, and Krakoan technology, you know, seeing this, you're wondering, all right, so where are they going to, you know, this is something that we referred to earlier. Are are they going to reveal that that Kate Pride is an external and she's not really a mutant or something like that, or she's something more than being a mutant? And we just find out that it was, as I said before, it took a little bit of inspiration um, on the X Men's part to figure out what was happening. But at the end of the day, it was something that was just logical enough to work. Right, and so, yeah, yeah, and it could, yeah. And it could very well be just like, no, this is just the wrinkle of her power set. And, you know, we have to, they, and they even said in the book, it's like, okay, we have to remember that for, you know, there's another layer to look at in the resurrection protocols, you know, uh, that they didn't think about, that no one thought about. And, you know, and it's, it's worth noting, Emma Frost, not a, you know, Emma Frost is a pretty intelligent woman. So it's not like, you know, she's a dummy walking around here. And I'm not saying that you were suggesting that or anything, but, you know, um, She's she's always been a, a pretty intelligent woman. Where you know, oh, but, her... but she needed, but just like anyone else, kind oh. of observing this particular uh, difficulty they were having with the resurrection protocol, she needed a little bit of inspiration. Exactly. 
you know, and that was, and it just so happened to come, you know, in the form of, um, you know, them talking and Lucky coming back, you know, but, but, you know, that was a small part of it. That wasn't necessarily the thing, but they were just having a mm-hmm. conversation. It was like, oh, wait, boop, and it happened. So, yeah, they had us on a string and now we're off and now we're going to see what happens with that whole development going forward. <clears throat> uh, so I guess we can now go to the next book in the X Corner, which is X-Force, number 11. Oh, actually, there was some, one other thing I was going to say real quick because it was about the, uh, the whole, you know, as Agent 70 said about the whole, yeah, we're, we're comic fans, we're used to people dying and coming back. Something like that was actually said uh, well, was something that was alluded to in Amazing Spider-Man this week in that, you know, somebody in the crowd was like, yeah, you know, we, we're used to seeing them be dead and not dead, you know, so often, like even the, even the public at large in spots kind of recognizes like, yeah, it's like some of these people die and come back and die and come back. Like, we don't even know what the scorecard is at this point. So, right. and I feel like they're, they're, that was pretty much a, it was like, yeah, that's kind of the, that's, Kind of, kind of the comic reader right there. That that person was in that instance. Anyway, um, X Force number eleven. So this is also um, says that this is a, a path to Ten of Swords um, book, and this one you can pretty much see where that ends up happening. We start off with um, we start off with a with an autopsy. I would also mention I would also mention that the cover has nothing to do with what happens in this issue. That is also true. That was a terrible except, team. except for the fact that the who's on the cover shows up. Not everyone. Well, I mean the the one big one at the very least. But yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but you're right. I thought about that too. It was like, yeah, this ain't got. Nothing to do, which happens. It happens more often than you know. Even we mention sometimes. Sometimes we will. We have made points to call that out when the mm-hmm. cover doesn't. You know, because it doesn't match the insides. I was about to say the cover doesn't match the tricks, but that doesn't work here. Anyway, um, X Force Eleven. Uh, we start off with an autopsy. They're in the, I guess, um, in the healing chambers or wherever they are. And Doctor Cerebralis and Beast and Sage are still autopsy. They're still trying to investigate the uh, attack on Krakoa, which happened damn near the, at the beginning of uh, Dawn of X um, after Hux Fox. But they're still trying to figure out who who has been attacking them, and they're coming to, to the realization that it's, you know, it seems to be more than one person, but with a unified agenda. Or, what, or more than one set of people with a unified uh, set of uh, with a unified agenda, which we already know as readers that it is, is the case. Right. Um, but from this, that gets uh, sidetracked because um, we find out that the bodies that they are that are doing the autopsies for have more to them than even they have already found out. Uh, I would liken this to alien aliens, xenomorphs kind of popping out of bodies, you know. In a sense, yeah. Although I definitely love the reference here that they use, essentially, and this is uh, definitely spoiler territory, mm-hmm. folks. I'm going to ring the bell. Essentially, what they say is that we've got Russian nesting dolls right. within the biologically enhanced assassins. So, human biological warfare and the way it's depicted by and I, I want to get the artist right I don't think this is Joshua Cassara um, yes this is Eric Basil du- I think this is Eric Basil Dua mm. um, 
it's uh it's really it's really graphic yes and it's really no it's just basil no it's basil duo because i think eric basil duo has a different spelling to his name it's just basil duo mm. but um the uh uh the the de- depiction of this Russian nesting doll technique is just just gruesome. Yeah, the, but at the same time, apt. it's pretty comedic. It's played off in a very comedic way at times. Yes. Um. So yeah. So this starts. This happens, and uh, Beast and crew are like, "Well, we got to go. We got to go find this one that escaped after killing uh, Doctor Cecilia Reyes," which. Um, I had a problem with even knowing. I still had a problem with even knowing the fact that. Well, even they even said right after that, I was like, yeah, "That's right, we can get her. We can get her. We can get her resurrected again. It's fine." And knowing this already, though, it's like it's still. And I know the the thing come going into uh, Dawn of X from Hoxbox, people were like, "Well, this is gonna cheapen mutant deaths," you know, because of the fact that they could bring her back. I'm like, "Yeah, but they still die, and it's still kind of striking when it happens to me." Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it happens to everybody like that, but. Except for the one at the end. I was okay with the one at the end. But regardless, um, so that sets off the chain of events. Uh, more of these little nesting, Russian nesting doll gremlin things uh, start to wreak havoc on Krakoa, uh, causing a few different casualties, as we see in, in different panels. And, you know, seemingly with uh no rhyme or reason to it except for the fact that uh, we start to see it the on the other one, one or two that we start to see it, the one main one that did the, the initial killing uh kind of goes after a certain object uh and not the person that people thought it was going to go back after you know because after the first attack if you if people recall uh, professor x had been killed during the, the the um during the attack and they started thinking was like okay maybe this somebody thought that you know well he's since uh, we're being attacked they might be after you again so they want to go put it in the hiding but that's actually not the case uh apparently this was a, a, a scheme to kind of get a certain a certain item from the cerebro trainer uh, uh, um chamber or something uh, meanwhile, also still causing havoc on the island, and and as Agent Seventy says, yes, like the humans have found their own way, uh, resurrection protocols, basically. Uh, doing, In a sense, right. yeah, right. In a sense. And what's funny is that these particular, uh, you know, uh, nesting dolls have a plan. You know, one of the things that they notice is that uh, that the X Men notice is that the uh, the little attackers uh, knew what they needed to do and knew where to go and where to find things. They mm-hmm. knew that they needed to get to Forge's uh, armory and that's where they could obtain weapons. They knew, and they obviously have a plan to get this quote unquote Cerebro sword now. Right. And the end of the issue reveals one of the antagonists um, that uh, to this point had not been seen for a long time. Right. Do you we know do we know who that is? Because I know yes. we know who, where they are because he says as much, but I wasn't quite sure who that was. Yes, where, the where is a big clue, but you don't recognize the, the facial scar. No, I don't. I will spoil it if you want. Sure. So I've already rang the spoiler bell if I if I'm not mistaken because I did talk about the Russian nesting dolls. Hmm. So just bear in mind that uh, I did ring it a few minutes ago. 
we are treated to the reappearance of one Mikhail Rasputin. That is the older brother of Colossus and Ilyana Rasputin. Right. Someone that goes way, way back to the first uncanny X-Men story post uh, X-Men blue and gold teams forming. Okay, that so very yeah, see, I story. So I'm not familiar with that then. So. Right, that very first story, he goes back to that, and he's appeared intermittently since. Uh, he's a pretty powerful mutant in his own regard, and uh, it's interesting, as you mentioned, this is uh, one of the stories that's on the path to Ten of Swords. So the fact that we've got a sword in play here at the end of the issue definitely... Uh, you know, leads us into that direction, and we will see how Mikhail Rasputin is uh, involved in the upcoming crossover story. Right, and I will say that the reason, part of, part of the reason why or how um, he got said sword was because apparently we uh, we come to find out that one Quentin Choir and one of the Cuckoos are dating, which we've already established that uh, Cable is dating all of the Cuckoo Cuckoos also, but the, hey, this is a free island, so, you know, Things that are are are, are freewheeling uh, going in, but yeah. So apparently, um, Quinn Quires date one of the cuckoos, but she doesn't want to be seen with him, rightly so, because his ass. But um, but she says that's not that's not the cuckoo. That's me saying that, not him. I mean, not her. It's like now nah, she's she's basically saying it's like yeah, you know, the cuckoos always share everything, and she wants him to herself. Lord knows why. But that leads into one of the the Russian Nesson dolls uh, with the sword in hand. Killing spoiler alert, killing Quentin Choir, Quentin Choir, which I wish this one would stay uh, permanently dead. This is his second death. We know as in, in Little Love as a couple of months. You know, no, I was about to say this might be his third since uh, since this X Force title has started. Because um, that was no, that, since this title has started. Really? You know, this is we're up to issue number eleven. What so I, I, think, I thought it was only second. This is his second. No, I think I think it gets killed on their first mission. He does. Uh, That's what I'm counting as the first time. I don't know. I don't. Oh know no! I, I was about to say. I think there's been more. I think there's been one more additionally to that. Okay. But like I said, either way, it's funny that uh, the writer on this. You know, shout out to Ben Percy again. The writer on this actually gives Choir a couple lines of dialogue, like "Not again," right? You know, because he's thinking exactly along the same lines that we are. Wait a second. We've seen Quentin Choir get killed a couple times already. And both times, I'm like, just make it perfect, permanent. I do not like Quentin Quire. I've said this repeatedly. We don't need to go on with that. Anyway. I guess we'll wrap up our, our X-Force issue 11. Uh, I am not sorry about what I said, so screw that fool. But we don't move <laughs> on. I will spin up the minigun so we can go into rapid fire. Yep. Here we go. Which is sad because uh, Empire, the, the, this uh, this week's Empire was actually pretty good. At least, and that uh, X Men one was actually pretty good. But if you want to go ahead and right, I mean, we're, we're, since we've read all of these issues, it's right. going to just turn into like a, a quick discussion of of the entire uh, chunk of Empire books this week. So, and I think you read a couple that I didn't because I didn't read the Captain Miracle. Oh well, it's not you know, it's it's really not all that. Uh, involving, uh, to be honest, because what we have is the, uh, at least an empire proper, we have the beginnings of an endgame. And I really like the fact that Al Ewing and, 
Exactly. Al Ewing and Dan Slott actually uh, plotted that and wrote that into the book that we're in the end game now. Mm-hmm. So I got a real kick out of that. But um, so wait, which, so what are we doing? We're doing we're doing Empire proper. We're we doing Cap. I was about to say, let me see what the reading list is. So it's kind of weird because there's a couple of books that are behind, like uh, Avengers two is a week behind or is, is, is behind because this, this should have happened before uh, empire number five and also empire X-Men number three should have also. Right. And I don't know where cap falls, but so I know the tie-in books are kind of, kind of slightly behind. Right. So ultimately a lot of this stuff is happening simultaneously. Mm. Uh, in terms of Empire Cap, what we have is um, we're getting a lot of communication around the world uh, about uh, you know trying to figure out a way to stop uh, the Kotadi invasion from the ground level. Cap is embedded with some troops that were uh, defending Washington, D.C., and they have found their way to san antonio texas they're steadily moving south and uh me you know uh meanwhile a kotati infected army chief of staff is uh of all people is making the plea you know uh you know because no one wants to put the actual president into into play in these comics for a good reason right so the army chief of staff is making a plea to the international uh, you know, it's an international uh, 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 panel of, um, I guess, a delegation of de- of different um, different uh, different nations' uh, militaries uh, to ask for aid and to try to coordinate their efforts. And these international, um, the, you know, these uh, these other militaries, these other countries are like, well, you know, why do you need our help? It's all very, very uh, much a, a current day political commentary. Uh, you know, it's a meta political commentary, as mm-hmm. it were. Uh, this is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Ariel Olivetti and color by Rochelle Rosenberg, who's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, she's cool. Um, uh, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of, you know, real world meta commentary commentary uh, going on in this, uh, you know, in this issue as uh, as as as. Uh, in regards to the NATO meeting, that's what it is. It's not. I, I was trying to remember where, where, and with whom this uh, this Army Chief of Staff was meeting, but it's with the uh, various uh, members of the NATO alliance. And uh, as I mentioned, this Army Chief of Staff had been infiltrated, uh, had been uh, compromised by Kotadi, and he made uh, he made an attempt to. Uh, take over this uh, this uh, this NATO group and Cap and his not quite Howling Commandos come in and save the day, and Cap gives a nice little speech at the end where even the Cree and the Skrull are like, man, that guy is pretty impressive. You know, that's you gotta love a little bit of uh, Cap worship, and they're off to the Battle of Mexico City. Uh, I believe it's the last issue. I believe it's a three-issue miniseries, so uh, the next issue will be the last one, and it will have the Battle of Mexico City with the uh, the combined NATO troops and um, Cap's uh, band of uh, Kree, Skrull, Kree and Skrull Alliance warriors and uh, the troops that he had brought down from D.C. 
right. Next up, we nice. could talk about Empire Avengers. Yeah, I was going to say something about that cap, or at least the last cap one, because I did read that first issue, but hadn't read this one yet. So, but there's, it's not worth it. I don't remember what I was going to say. So, next. All right. So, Empire Avengers, we are in the Savage Land with a group of Avengers tasked with uh, dealing with a Kotati invasion of the Savage Land. Uh, we check in with a small group of Avengers uh, in Central Park as well, dealing with some of the uh, the undergrowth that has popped up there. And we find out that, of all people, Plant Man has decided to rear his planty head. And, uh, and for, for good reason, because it makes complete sense that he would be uh, on the side of the Kotati in this war. So uh, the Vision... Luke Cage and Dr. Nemesis of the Agents of Wakanda are taking on Plant Man and the verdant green zombies that he's bringing up uh, in Central Park. <coughs> Excuse me. Meanwhile, uh, Wonder Man, Quicksilver, and Mockingbird are in Mexico trying to convince the Kree and the Skrull um, alliance armies to not fight each other. And we check in with the a group of Avengers in the Savage Land who have been captured by the Kotati uh, group down there that have infiltrated Shanna, the She-Devil. And we find out why, because she's apparently uh, connected to the, 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 the life of the Savage Land, the, 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 uh, the life force of the Savage Land. So that's how she is uh, compromised. She's part of the green, almost like Poison Ivy. Right, 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 right. But yeah, and and, apparently, I almost looked up that story because they did footnote that story that where that apparently happened, but I didn't. And I think that's about as far as I read in this issue because I just realized I was going to finish reading this book before we started. Oh, okay. So then I will not spoil. So what's interesting about that note, that little footnote that you mentioned, hmm. um, it's relatively recent. Savage Wolverine number four. That's not that long ago. Gotcha. That's within the last four. That's w- definitely within the last like four or five years. Right. They do have a date. They put the date comic on time, it. It's a long time, but yeah, you know, I mean, in comic time, it's not a long time. But for us, it's, you know, we, I've already forgotten a lot of stuff that's happened four or five years ago in the comics. So Same. I don't blame you if you didn't see that. So in any event, what we have at the end of this issue is something I will not spoil because it's the Avengers trying to uh, convince Shanna uh, to uh, to overcome the uh, the Kotati influence that uh, has seemingly taken control of her, and um, the Man Thing is proving to be a pivotal player. Whether or not he's in control of himself is uh, another story. But at the end of the story, we have a pretty intense cliffhanger ending that i will not spoil we will see how this plays out in the last issue of empire avengers number three nice. <clears throat> all right Which... x-men number three so this is three of four so the x-men get a nice uh little uh story arc like a nice four issue story arc to tell their story and it's a crazy one yeah this is a pretty in this is a pretty wild issue you know, there's a couple of, you know, uh, if there's one problem I have with this issue is that um, I found it a little hard to follow when we transition from one storyline to another. Yeah. At least one 
one aspect of the story to him. I, I totally get that. Yeah. You know, we had to read a, a, a caption box. And once we read the caption box, it makes sense. But the second you go from that caption box to the panel to the following panel, it's just pretty, uh, you know, it, it's pretty uh, uh, confusing, you know, and, and that's a little bit on the shoulders of, and I'm scrolling to check on the artist who laid this issue out, Andrea Brocardo. Mm. You know, it's a minor quibble, to be fair, you know, in an issue that was just a little wild to begin with. But at the end of the day, uh, just, to, uh, just to backtrack and go back to the uh, the beginning, uh, my only note on this is brains. Because the Genosian zombies and the Kotati uh, uh, warriors are duking it out on different parts of Genosha. And apparently, apparently... The Kotati warriors are not immune to the influence of the zombie bite. Yeah, that part right there in itself was like, what, really? Because because first they were doing the first of that, they was like, oh, these these plant people ain't got no brains, so we need some more sustenance. And then they were like, oh, okay, but yet some folks got got subsided. So, right. So basically, they got chewed on and spit out, and the the effect of the zombie bite on the upon the Kotati. Cause them to have an appetite for uh, brains, many fresh brains. So brains. So uh, so let me stop you real quick. Like, like so, if I've made this reference before, but I'm gonna say it here again. If you are yourself out there thinking plants versus zombies, the video game, yes, you might as well because it's pretty uh, much, and we're and the, we're pretty much going to get a direct. Or, well, I feel like we're going to get a fairly direct. Uh, 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 a reference to that next issue, the way this issue is going. But continue. Right. Um trying to figure out who this character is that's at the lead. Is that... Who is that? Is that Lily? No, that's not Lily. No, they're not... It's, they're not listed at the... You know, in the... Um, the roster at the beginning because they're part of... You know, well, who I'm referring to is part of the group called in as reinforcements from Krakoa. Oh, right. Who is the black-clad Hellfire Club lady? You know what? Um, um, let me let me go look at that again. Cause that I, actually, to be? I couldn't remember that either. Because um, I felt like it was like everybody in that shot was pretty I can explain else. everyone in this shot, basically. You know, right. there's Choir, who's not dead again. Danny oh, Moonstar. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Carl. Uh, the cuckoos, uh, Exodus, Sinister, but who's that lady in the lead? Yeah, so they basically put they they called out the psychic hotline, uh, the Krakoan psychic hotline, and, and had everybody on deck. Um, and this and which is what gets us here. Let me see if I can get to the page like really really quick. Uh, Who is that? Is that Celine? Because she's supposed to be a bad guy in Captain America right now. That's. You know what? That's probably. You talking about yeah, like right up, right under our choir, in between uh, uh sinister and is is that who you talking about? Yeah, right. Yeah, the lead. She's in the lead. She's point. She says, yeah, "What think, madness is this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be you. That might be Celine. 
That's crazy. She's supposed to be a bad guy in Captain America right now. Well, you know, they're, t- you know, sliding they get around of, those you know, colon gates, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that that's oh. that's not outside the realm of possibilities. And again, you know, this is kind of out of order with stuff, and we will never know when, when that cap is supposed to have, when cap is supposed to be taking place in relation to this anyway. Right. So, uh, in any event, you know, the the psychics, the 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 the, the cavalry, as it may be, were arrived. Right. They start uh, taking on the uh, the Kotati, uh, Beast, and. Uh, Opal, one of the horde horticulture, uh, <laughs> team up reluctantly as magic uh, exerts exerts her will and uh, brings Opal to uh, to the beast to try to come up with a serum to kill the plant people. And uh, apparently they're successful, and we get to the transition that I was kind of complaining about. Uh, we get a look a quick transition to a zombie mutant who blows things up real well. And um, saves one of the horticulture and Madrox. So that but, yeah, so that's that that zombie person has been there pretty <coughs> much the whole time. We've we've seen this person. I, is it, we don't know because they they are they they call him the Exploity Boy at the beginning when they when mm. they have the the thing of. So I don't know if they were their actual name in life when they were on uh, Genosha. So I don't know. But that yeah, but that person that zombies exploding person has been there this whole time. You know, right. wisecracking, doing whatever. But also before you even go along. Uh, get to this next part. I do love that they, they kind of evoke uh, 90s X-Men Beast, and then uh, animated X-Men Beast when um, when he and Opal are, are, are doing their thing. Because you know oh, how... It's like, like super verbose. Exactly. Because you yeah. could almost hear it in the verse, because it's like, in the words of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
zapping Kotati left and right. We flash back to Magic. And which which cuckoo is this? I probably didn't even matter at this point. But yes, it is one of the cuckoos. I'm not sure. I forget. I think they actually if, say it, but right. I forget if they actually say which one this is. Um, but there's now five of them. So you know, to be honest, as as Roddy Cat said, you know, does it really matter? Yeah. But um, you know, in in in, in any event, uh, Magic and 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 one of the Stepford cuckoos are teleporting around Genosha to find the source because they could be fighting wave after wave of uh, zombie and Kotadi without you know, getting to any sort of um, resolution. So what they find at the end of their teleportations around Genosha is the staff that we last saw wielded by the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it essentially does something very, very bad to uh, magic. And we see the return of a form of magic that we have not seen in a while and i'm not going to spoil it but if you think about if you're versed at all in the history of uh, the character of iliana rasputin there's a couple of forms that she's taken um in her in her past as uh, as an x-man and as a new mutant this is one of them and this is one of the darker ones mm, so yeah, i don't remember this one but well it's a form of it right uh, yeah, it's I know a, the other form, but I was like, I don't remember seeing this form before. Right, right, right. It's a form of it because we have because uh, technically the horns give it away, mm-hmm. and I'm giving it away to anyone who is listening and watching uh, what it is I'm referring to. So you know that's one that's one revelation. We get a kind of gruesome revelation uh, in the interim uh, because as they're trying to fend off the uh, the Genosian zombies, they chuck dead. Uh, uh, duplicates of uh, Jamie Madrox at them to hold them at bay and to give them uh, something to, to gnaw on. Well, right before that, so before, so yeah, so backing up a second, because yeah, that became, that was because of a deal that you kind of alluded to before, but you didn't necessarily go into the, uh, the, the exploding zombie dude and Madrox pretty much came to a deal into where, where it was like, Hey, I will, I'll help you with the Katati. If you just give me the, the scraps that's left over on the, um, on the battlefield, and I'm sitting here like, what scraps? It's all dead plant people. Then I totally forgot about the, all the matroxes was out there. So the exploding zombie just did 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 his thing. Exploded boy, I guess that's what they call him. Did his thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then there was I a forgot. bunch of yeah. And then there was a bunch of dead matroxes around he, that he went to start eating on, and then his friends came, and that's when mm. that's what um Agent Seventy is talking about now. Right. Right. So uh, again. Uh, you know that's a, a a brief little interlude, but we get back to uh, what's going on with magic, and uh, you know we get um, uh, a nice little cliffhanger um, ending for that particular interlude because uh, magic is definitely um, under the influence of that staff that the Scarlet Witch had created at the beginning of this uh, crossover series. Uh, meanwhile, Madrox. And uh, and 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 the horticulture discover that there's even uh, there, there's something even bigger to deal with um, uh, as a result of the Kotadi invasion. So it's all going, it's all crazy, it's all going bad. Uh, it's a pretty wild. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be consequential, although I have a feeling it might be because of what the Scarlet Witch has done. Mm. So. 
maybe this is maybe one of the more consequential Empire tie-ins. Coincidentally, but, uh, Scarlet Witch, who's also over in Avengers, uh, Empire Avengers in the Savage Land, who just got knocked right. out in that book, or was knocked out in that book. So, who knows when this is even going on. Right. It's got to be before. So, mm. or at least her actions happened before. You know, before she was deployed. So, we will see we will see how this all plays out in the end. Uh, but yeah, it's really one of the more interesting crossover issues or um, tie-in issues. Yeah, and this is where I said earlier, uh, this is probably where we're going to get the Plants vs. Zombies uh, direct mes- reference next uh, issue. It seems rife to, um, to, to go there. And I believe Vida Alaya wrote this issue. Yeah, I think it's Vida. Vida yeah, with, yeah. With, with, you know, with, some, with some help, but yeah. So... That that kind of explains some of the fun, but uh, right. uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how this plays out, and that's we're right. going to get to the next issue. Right. We're not. I was about to say we're not exactly rapid firing here because we read we both read all these issues. Yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on to Empire number five, um, in the spirit of rapid fire, we see a glimpse of the wedding between Wiccan and Hulkling. I don't know if they're going to be going into this any further. Yeah, kind of wonder uh, about that. Yeah, I thought it was teased that we would see this in one of the aftermath issues, mm-hmm. but we ended up seeing it here in uh, Empire Number Five. Uh, we flash to um, what uh, is happening uh, on the battlefield in Wakanda, and uh, the thing is really getting uh, his clock cleaned by uh, now dead She-Hulk. In, uh, um, under the control of a Kotati. And, you know, this is something that we, we talked about last week uh, in reference to Empire Number 4. And I took a quick peek at your notes, and you were wondering when um, Ben Grimm was able to bleed out of his rocky exterior. Well, no, no, no. I knew, I've seen it happen before, but I was, I was kind of making a joke about oh, okay. the blood from a stone trunk. Yeah, we've seen it before. In fact, the last time he fought the Hulk, that happened. Right. In Fantastic right. Four. So yes, right. this is the, so this is the second time in what a couple of months that he has fought a Hulk, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and I was going to say, I think it's just the I think it's just the evolution of the depiction of his injuries because growing up, I remember reading issues of the Fantastic Four, even two and one, where he would have bloody noses. Mm-hmm. He would definitely have bloody noses, like you would see, you know, like blood coming out of his nose, but right. not gushing the way he kind of is in this issue right but it's still like he has a rock form it's still kind of weird to see yeah i think i even said this in the in that fantastic four issue like it's just weird to see this level of of you know him bleeding out like like right. that so but i do love but i do love this part like yeah it, it, it this one's kind of this is one where uh as agent 70 said this is where we get the in-game reference because it, it can't it this is when it was said here if i'm not mistaken uh but uh I do like this part of the book because in true Ben Grimm f- uh, fashion, which I think you were about to get to, you know, he, 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 he does a Ben Grimm thing and, and keeps fighting. Of course. If there's one thing that is consistent with uh, stories about the thing is that he doesn't go down without a fight. Right. But also there is a reference here that I, I would really like to see more of, or that I would like to see uh, explored. Oh, Right, 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 right. Because of uh, what we know is going to be explored in terms of the She-Hulk. Right. So, um, as I mentioned, um, we're in Wakanda, so we flash to uh, another part of the battle where uh, what is it? The space? The, the what is it? The Star Sword? 
I forget what he called it. Yeah, sure. Sword? I believe you know, there's a sword. magic fight. There's a magic sword. Yeah, I think, because I know he said space, but I think it's either the star sword or the space sword. One, but I think it's just the star sword, I think. Or maybe right. thinking of, um, maybe thinking of some more space knight stuff. I don't know. Right. Well, in any event, uh, what we have is uh, T'Challa doing his best to uh, hold off the Kotari hordes at the foothills of the Great War Vibranium Mound because we know that um, they're looking to plant a gate at the uh, in the soil of the Vibranium Mound. So, um, you know, T'Challa is doing his level best, but he's becoming he's getting overwhelmed, and um, the Kotari are unfortunately successful with putting uh, opening a gateway in the soil of the Great Mound. And uh, that is where T'Challa utters something from Avengers Infinity War, uh, which was, you know, it's a line that was uh, uh, given to Doctor Strange in that movie. Yes. I almost put that uh, in my notes, but I was like, I knew we were going to get there. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, we have the reappearance as a result of the gate of uh, both Koi and the Kotari swordsman, mm-hmm. um, who does something bad to, who pretty much uh, deals with uh, uh, T'Challa, as we see, and I didn't like that part. It was like, oh no! But at the same time, hopefully, it's going to turn out. Exactly, exactly. That's bad news. It's bad news. So that is one little mini cliffhanger, and we also get to um, Wiccan uh, basically exposing the plot against the Hulkling. And, um, you know, it's about to go down on the Kree Skrull flagship because while it's not completely revealed who has taken um, Hulkling's place um, as the uh, as the emperor or standing in his place as the emperor. But we have a general feeling uh, who it is based on the events of Empire number three or number two. So, you know, there's been a couple of uh, issues since um, this probably happened. And there is only one character in the know at this point, and that is Captain Glory um, of the Cree. And uh, apparently, we uh, which we call it the scroll that is impersonating uh, Hulkling is uh, is uh, ready to uh, delay as much as possible the fight because the 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 motion the. Um, the gears have already been put into motion to have their uh, their pyre um, plan put into place, which is going to superheat the sun and basically destroy um, the solar system and the Earth with it to try to quote unquote uh, prevent the spread of the Kotari. Mm. Uh, you know, and what's funny is that the timing is all very uh, is all very uh, uh, convenient. What is it like ten minutes? This is going to go. Uh, one thing is going to go down in nine minutes. The other thing is going to go down. Right. So you know we have that, um, and at the end of the issue, we we flash back to uh, to this point to the ineffectual um, uh, uh, science bros, or at least a different pair of science bros of Reed Richards and uh, and, and Tony Stark. And we have uh, uh, Reed in a new suit of Iron Man armor with a Fantastic Four symbol on it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a bad look. Yeah, and uh, and after the uh, after the issue is over, you see some uh, some concept art of of his stuff and other characters like uh, 
you know, so that's it's cool to see that kind of stuff. But yeah, so the basically, it's like, <laughs> basically Tony's like, yeah, we got well, we got less than ten minutes to save the save the Earth on. I mean, save the world on on multiple fronts. So, all right, let's go. Right. So we gotta guess. love it. Yeah. Gotta. Yeah, because they've pretty much been on the sideline this whole time. Yep. Like, like, yep. like Reed was babysitting Tony, and Tony's just like, oh, I'm in my fields because I got duped. Oh, what am I doing? I can't do my stuff. So, we'll see what they got. Um, what they got going on next issue. Yep, pretty much. So that is Empire for this week. We are near the conclusion of this story, and I have to say that it's been pretty entertaining from you know from my perspective. So Same. I've definitely enjoyed it. I have a feeling that this is going to be a slightly overlooked event. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm still holding out because sometimes we we we've been duped before. Like these uh these events kind of go good so well, and then they just end with a plot or something, right? So right. We, we'll see. Right. I mean, we we'll got see. a good team. We got a good team in the on the creative side. So I'm I'm hoping good things. Right. So uh, let's see. Uh, what do I have left to talk about before you jump into your books? Which I only have one, so. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Dark Knight's Metal, number three. The insanity of Snyder's story continues. Uh, the heroes of the DCU split into three teams to try to restore everything destroyed by Perpetua. Meanwhile, Luthor seems to have his own plans in motion. Uh, yeah, it, there's some pretty crazy uh, visuals in these stories. You got to give Greg Capullo a lot of credit. Um, and obviously, Snyder's just, you know, just losing all his marvels in this, you know, in the story. It's just pretty crazy. Um, and lastly, I have Seven Secrets Number One. This is from Boom Studios. This is written by Tom Taylor. Um, there's an interesting premise and first issue to start this series. Uh, essentially, these are. Seven pairs of secret keepers keeping seven secrets that could destroy the world on on their own. And uh, bad guys are out to uh, capture the seven secrets or any one of the seven secrets. And and the issue is narrated by uh, someone who um, comes as the result of one of the rules being broken by a pair of uh, secret keepers. So... All in all, it's a pretty entertaining first issue. We will see um, uh, if I keep this up. I do regret not getting to, and I, I didn't realize it was out. I probably just scrolled past it. Adventure Man number three came out this week, so I'm going to try to catch up on that over the weekend. Nice. All right. Uh, well, for me, there's only one more to do, and I forgot. Oh, no, I did get those. Okay, cool. Um, there's only one for me, me, and that is Dar- Star Wars Darth Vader number four. Um, so brief strokes, the, the, there was a trap that was sprung by Sabe, uh, one of uh, Padme's handmaidens who was still alive and uh, who was seeking out justice for Padme and uh, Anakin. Uh, she came across Darth Vader or vice versa and uh, you know, he thought he was keeping his involvement close to the vest, which he still kind of is. But uh, apparently, Sabe's and crew were no fool because they blame Darth Vader for the death of Padme and Anakin, and uh, which they say during the course of the springing the trap, 
which involves, uh, if you remember episode one, that big fish creature that, that, um, that, um, that chases down, uh, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and, uh, Jar Jar underwater. Um, but of course this is Darth Vader. So he gets out of that and that thing dies. Uh, but then he goes after the, the obviously goes after Sabe and them and, uh, eventually finds them close to, uh, Padme's grave or tomb, but not before, um, taking out, you know, apparently there's one other dude from the, from the prequels that that did show up. And I think either Darth Vader took care of him or just kind of put him to the side, but he pretty much killed a bunch of people. Uh, then re- meeting up with the other handmaidens that that were still around, which is pretty much all of them, who attack Vader, and he just kind of sweeps, kind of deals with them, but he doesn't kill them weirdly enough, or not really enough. All the while, um, a bunch of uh, memories from the prequels um, come flooding back to him while he's fighting, which, pretty, as I say in my notes, pretty much do more hurt to him than they have done, even with the big fish creature uh to to vader but then like i said it, it's it um it ends up with vader uh being going to the tomb of padme and going in uh for whatever odd reason which we will find out next issue and that is Darth Vader number four and that's the end of my books all right so here we go we are coming up on clicks of the week And we already got a couple from our uh, folks that are not here. Because um, I almost forgot that I put it down there. Uh, from Dirt, it's Hawkeye Free Fire number five, which came out in print, even though the digital version came out a while ago. So we still kind of have some of that still going on. Uh, and for Tim, so I still kind of figure, figure well, I mean, it, it still counts because it came out in print. Even Oh, and by the way, last week he had uh, the click of the week for Ant-Man number four or five, whichever one. That was also coming out in print, which is why it was this click uh, exactly. from last week. So it technically did come out last week because it was in print, but we had already read it and talked about it, I think. Well, we read it. Or it was out in digital already months prior. because Exactly. They, Exactly, but for the folks, you know, for the good folks who uh, chose not to, uh, you know, who chose to delay gratification, as it were, and wait for their uh, hard copy books to come out, it definitely came out uh, last week. And this week, we also got Ghost Spider number nine, which I I didn't want to talk about because I believe we talked about it earlier, but I did get my print copy this week, so that was cool. Right, but Uh, but it was also the thing that, well... When those when these issues were coming out in digitally, we did not know they were going to come back around. We thought they were uh, going to come back around right. and put them in print, but we weren't really sure because they didn't make any. They basically almost said that they didn't seem like they were going to do that. Which much to the no, ire what of, I was going to um, is yeah. What I was going to say is what they told us at the time and what their initial plan was until people raised the ruckus is that uh, they were going to just do trades. They were going to publish them in the trades. They weren't going to put out the individual issues. That's what the initial plan, I believe, was. Right. So um, once they, you know, I guess once people uh, got into a huff about uh, having holes in their collection, the completest, you know, represent the completest, Sala, at, you know, because that's me, you know. <laughs> I definitely sympathize with the completists out there who are like, hey, man, you're going to put a big hole in my collection. 
So print comics definitely had some in, has still definitely still has some influence on, on on the events of the comic book industry. So think. Uh, they ended up putting out uh, the individual copies of these comics, uh, thankfully. So uh, as as we you know just to just to wrap that particular discussion, um, I think we're still going to get a couple more of these, including Valkyrie, right. um, coming out over the next several weeks. Mm. You know. It's, they, uh, if I if I recall, I remember reading that it was going to be over the course of August and September. So, right. Um, and on the other side of that coin, from Tim, we got a Marauders number eleven as his click of the week. Right. That's a good pick. I am going to second that. Oh, nice. Yeah, Marauders were good, and I think he even said it for the reasons which I was kind of glad. I was like, yeah, Kate, Kate, Kate Pride lives, as he says. That's right. So. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good pick. Um, I almost want to go along with it, but I'm thinking, uh, hmm. I actually kind of want to go with, uh, hmm. Hmm. It's basically between this, between Marauders and Empire number five, if, if nice. I'm being honest. Uh, cause nice. it, I, mean, listen, I liked Empire number five. Yeah. I did, but I definitely had a, I, I definitely got a kick out of reading Marauders number eleven for the simple fact that you know, and, and we kind of you know, without truly belaboring the point, we definitely did go into uh, at length in the first half of our our, our show. <laughs> that uh, although that, the auto people wouldn't know that, but <laughs> right, it took a lot of inspiration to uh, you know to, uh, to to figure out what was uh, amiss in the resurrection protocols um, that weren't. Uh, allowing uh, Kitty to come back, but now, you know, it, it took a little, um, you know, it took a little bit of ingenuity, and uh, you know, now she's back, and it's a pretty cool thing. Mm. We'll see. Like I said earlier, we'll see if she's able to go through the gates now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's that. That was that was the part with the they mentioned uh, beforehand. Yeah, you know what? I will go ahead and go along with it. Shout out to Empire Number Five because I do love that theme moment. It was pretty good. The rest of them, the rest of it was good, but it was it was a bleak moment. It was it was some would say the Empire Strikes Back of of this uh, event, but uh, and it's like the penultimate one, so go figure. Uh, so yeah, uh, Marauders number eleven for me too. I, I will go ahead and triple that. Wow! And because uh, Kate Pride lives, and that's what we've been waiting on. That, that's one part of the mystery we've been waiting on. Like I just everybody just said that uh, we'll see how the other part goes. I suspect that should be fine though. I, I don't see unless because if that's the case, then something else is going on that we that was also rumored, you know. But we'll see. All right. So now that we've done all of that, let us get to an ad read, sir. All right. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop final bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks. And brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. Now, 
get into the news. Yes, folks, it is downtime for the news. Uh, we, As we do each week this time, we are going to do the cinematic news, as I totally forget what the next ad was going to be. But that's fine, because I can pull it up. Uh, wow. Cinematic news will as goes as follow. The Matrix fan theory that makes Agent Smith the true one. Whoa. So I'm not going to go into this whole thing, but apparently some some person um, theorized that Agent Smith was the actual one as opposed to Neo. But um, and of course, some people are with that, you know, said theory, and I'm not one of them. Um, but it is what it is. You can go ahead and check it out for yourself. Next up. All right. Uh, meet the cast of the new Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, the upcoming Mortal Kombat reboot, produced by James Wan, will be R-rated and feature gory fatalities. And it started to fill out its cast of ferocious fighters. Um, we have... It's been announced that um, uh, Mikad or Mekad Brooks is Mikad. Jack as Jackson Jacks Briggs. Which... I feel like he's too clean. I mean, granted, I've seen him. Some people know him as Jimmy Olsen and Supergirl, but then I think he just also left that show. I mean, he's off that show now. Okay. We have uh, Chin Han as Shang Tsung. Uh, he's from The Dark Knight. Oh, uh, that's I remember him from The Dark Knight now. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the, 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 the bad bad guy businessmen. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Hiroyuki Sanada as Scorpion. Uh, get over here. Uh, that's pretty cool. He I was don't... actually in Endgame. I yeah, think he I was one of the was... Yakuza that uh, uh, Hawkeye oh, was killing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Tadanobu Asano as Raiden. Uh, this is... Oh, he played Hogan. Mm. Thor uh, in, in the Thor movies. Oh. I was also... happy to see yeah, you also know, that last guy was in Lost in Westworld, so some people wouldn't probably wouldn't know that last name from those people, which I have not seen. So next up. Gotcha. I mean so but yeah, but yeah, the the dude's raiding, we definitely see his yeah. what happened to him in the Thor movie. Right. Uh let's see. Um CC Stringer is cast as Melina. Um uh, there's nothing here in the article about where she's been seen previously. Yeah, so, have to so she's brand new, sounds like. Right. Uh, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang. He is, he's been, uh, he's a Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. He was in that movie. Because it's that last movie specifically. Right. Oh, he's a, he's a movie Power Ranger, not right. a TV Power Ranger. Right. Uh, let's see. Joe Taslim as Sub-Zero. So this is the dude from um, Fast 6. Um, who uh, was fighting with uh, Brian O'Connor, a.k.a. <laughs> a.k.a. Paul Walker, most yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, hey, it's James Wan. Of course he was going to pull from, from projects he's done. And also, he's from The Raid. Most people would know that name from The Raid. So, which is a movie I still need to see. Right, right. But, no, it's good. It's good. But yeah. definitely, you would, you would remember him as... 
the uh, the Asian bad guy from uh, from Fast Six. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's also probably. I bet you more people probably know him from the raid than that than than the. Oh well, series. I was about to say they probably have in the Venn diagram of people who would know both. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is a pretty big uh, uh, intersection of the it's, two. It's a perfect circle. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we have Josh Lawson as Kano. Um, he's uh from House of Lies, apparently. Okay. Um, Jessica McNamee as Sonia Blade. She has done. I'm not sure. I have to look her up on IMDb. Uh, uh, Louis Tan in an undisclosed role. She was. In, uh, she was in the Meg. Okay, That's she was in the movie. Meg. Yeah. And um. Louis Tan in an undisclosed role. He is uh, of, formerly of Deadpool 2 and more recently of Netflix's Wu Assassins. Which I need to finish. And uh, Max Huang as Kung Lao. This is... Uh, he's actually done some stunt work uh, oh. in lots of movies you might recognize like Kingsman, The Secret Service, Jackie Chan's The Foreigner, and Hitman, Agent 47. Mm-hmm. And that is it for the list. Yeah, that's that ran it all down. Uh, so yeah, some of those names are more known than others, and some of you know properties we've seen and or liked. So um, you know the cast looks good, just you know from what I could tell. I mean, I don't know. At least, because if you're watching the video, you've seen me scroll down as as a uh, agent owner is talking about it, and I don't know. Jack's aside, like I like McCad uh, Brooks. I don't know. Was how they how they um how they portray him, but the side by side there, so they basically have the uh like um pictures of the people and then their character they're playing, and I, I realized they're they're pulling from different Mortal Kombat's also, so so the whole the old grizzled uh Mortal Kombat uh Jacks from what eleven is if that's who he's playing is it's not a great likeness, but hey you know like that I like Mikad he's all right um. But will this movie be fast and or furious? That's the real question. Hmm. I was waiting. Hold on. Are you waiting for this? No, you didn't. It, was, it didn't deserve that, really. <laughs> it really didn't deserve that. But thank you anyway. Uh, um, next up, I believe that is me. Um, Noah makes his animated debut in Secret History of Venom short. So there was a new Spider-Man Maximum, Maximum Venom video that showcases the history of the same Mediots, including their Dark God Null. So you can check that out on Marvel HQ YouTube channel. Next. All right, next up. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stars celebrate the series finale by breaking down the show's legacy. Uh, you can read this article. Uh, uh, the last two-part episode of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, aired uh, last night, um, thir- Wednesday evening uh, here in the U.S. And um, apparently um, the characters essentially, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, they each got their own versions of a happy ending, and that's actually something that is a welcome that, that is welcome news. Um, I know that uh, lots of um, articles... Have uh, have posited that it was a good thing for Agents of Shield to break away from uh, the MCU continuity and to go their own route, and they and it seems like they have apparently created their own timeline. Right, we're talking uh, about it last that we week. have 
right now that we have the, the 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 concept of multiverses and multiple timelines in the MCU, the agents have created their own because apparently where they end up is in the present day and in the blip uh, timeline. They would still be in the middle of the blip and it wouldn't be such a happy-go-lucky time. So uh, congrats to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people for going their own way, forging their own path, you know, uh, you know, blazing their own path and, uh, you know, and, and, and telling, you know, good stories uh, for these characters. I, I fell off, honestly. I'm one of those people that did not appreciate them not linking closer with uh, the MCU. But now that I understand that it seemed to work out for the better, I may uh, circle back and watch the episodes now that uh, they're probably going to be on some form of streaming. So uh, I hope uh, they're, they're going to be on Disney Plus after they get off of, um, I think they were Netflix. on Hulu. No, they're on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, the current, yeah, they were the on current Hulu, but... season, right? The current season would be on Hulu, but the the previous seasons would be on Netflix. Right, they are. Yes, uh, and yeah, I think I just, I just, I think I fell off because of uh, falling behind, and then it it being on Hulu, the current season being on Hulu, because I kind of am you know, not not willing to wait. I understand. Well, no, not messing with Hulu, basically. Um, oh, not willing to wait for it to hit Netflix. Uh, I mean, I, at this point, because yeah, I believe Netflix is caught up. I believe they have six seasons. They do have six seasons, but I'm saying at the time when, right? Because you know, right. I, was, I was pretty much caught up to like season four to the end of season four, and then after that, I kind of fell off because of Hulu. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hulu. Yeah, I chose not to. I chose, you know, and, you know, for for the aforementioned uh, reasons, I chose not to keep up. But I think maybe now, especially in quarantine, um, it's a good show. I, People uh, shitted I'm on it. Just, Back, right, I might just circle back and watch uh, some of these episodes, or at least pick up from where I left off and see how things have progressed since. Right, I debated about like I'm just like at this point, I still fairly remember what last happened, and, and but I'm like, hmm, I could probably go back and do the whole thing at this point, but I'm like, eh, no, I got way too many shows that I need to finish and catch up on, so I, I may just do the same and just catch up from where I am. Anyway, uh, next up, uh, Disney Plus now features a des- dedicated X-Men section. Yay. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, yeah, they've got X-Men movies on there, uh, but they, they have their own little section now, just like in, I was about to say in real life, but just like in comics, they have their own little section of the uniform. And it's not that much there. It's like the stuff that's been kind of been there. And it's also like the 20th anniversary of like the original X-Men or something like that. Um... I was gonna say X Men First Class is on there, but that's not true. Um, however, right. Not, all, right, not all of the new movies and not all of the old movies are on there, right? Which doesn't make any sense. So basically, out of the the original trilogy of movies, just the first one is on there, uh, and the other two are not. And then Days of Future Past and Apocalypse on there, which I still haven't seen because I didn't, you know, for I wasn't trying to go down that route. But also X Men mm-hmm. the animated series. Um, um, which we do have some news on uh, shortly, and Wolverine, X Men, and X Men Evolution, which I think I might start up now that I finish um, um, a rewatch of uh, X Men TES because I never finished X Evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because like, okay, okay. I think I started like, like I started watching, and it was like, yeah, okay. Uh, Read sure, but anyway, uh, it right. says the last. Oh wait, it says here that uh, the Wolverine, which will be coming to Disney Plus on September fourth. Right, it's all part of the slow rollout. Yeah, you know, uh, and and it's hard to blame uh, Disney Plus because 
to certain people, this will be new content. So mm-hmm. there's That's nothing, true. you know, there, there, there's, there's really, uh, 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 you know, if there is a semblance of a plan, it's just a slow rollout to just constantly keep feeding somewhat new uh, uh, content into the app so to keep people uh, coming back for more. I know that uh, I believe Ant-Man and the Wasp was supposed to drop on the 14th, mm-hmm. uh, technically today at this point. But uh, uh, it's been off of Netflix, I believe, for a week or two. So, um, you know, I think there was just like the briefest of uh, hi- uh, a briefest of a hiatus in between leaving Netflix and joining Disney Plus. So we'll soon have, if not already have, Ant-Man and the Wasp on Disney Plus. Anyway, moving on. Uh, next up, we have uh, the New Mutants have a new teaser. There's a latest teaser from Josh Boone, um, and it shines a spotlight on uh, Anya Taylor Joy's magic and her impressive abilities. So that's pretty cool. Take a look at that when you get a chance. I've, I've one. I thought one. Uh, Amanda Wasp is not on there yet, but yeah. Um... No, but it's supposed to be the 14th. So I know, but, a, I'm, but I'm saying I was about to a, say. What I was going to say is um, three hours behind. It's way you hours because it's almost. Yeah. No, three hours behind oh, wait, on the West Coast. It, it's it's just, a, yeah, that's right. It just turned to 14th. I was about to say something. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, yeah, right. it'll probably like, be on in a couple of hours um, yep, as of this recording. Yep, I was about to say, cause it's got to be a West Coast It's because it's yeah. got to turn the 14th on the West Coast for it to take effect. Happy so. birthday to my cousin Natalie, by the way, um, who will probably never see this. Or hear this. So yeah, uh, so yeah, look out for that. But probably by the time you hear this, or uh, if you're watching, listen to the, the audio version, it'll more than likely be up there. Yep, pretty much. Uh, next up, yeah. So uh, I was gonna say about this new mutants thing. Uh, one, I still concede that that is a very good pick for for magic because she's you know she she's got the look. And I did not watch this little teaser video, but I, I imagine. If it's some of the same stuff that we've been seeing in the new, in the uh, the trailers, yeah, sure, it works out. It works out. But you can too if you're if you go to the link on the show notes, you can check out check out the um, the tweet if you haven't already. Next up, uh, X Men the animated series revival has been discussed, and apparently it is up to Disney. So the producers of X Men the animated series have confirmed discussions about a possible revival of the beloved cartoon. And said that the ball is now in Disney's court. Uh, speaking during the Wizard World panel, producer and director Larry Houston said he, quote unquote, made conversation with Disney about bringing X Men the animated series back. And the Lord knows y'all have seen him out there on Twitter, you know, and the rabbit fandom therein, you know, uh, talking back and forth with folks. Uh, we've had talks, but that's about it. We've made conversation, and it's up to them to make the decision. And you know, again, this fan base is out there on Twitter. It's going to be putting putting pressure on Disney and being probably obnoxious about it in some cases. Anyway, uh, but we've let them know that we're available for whatever they want to do in the future. And I feel like that was probably an uncalculated move, but that's fine. And at this point, the only thing I would have to say was, like, I'm kind of curious because if the voice cast are all still around, which I have no reason to believe that there wouldn't be, you know, where would they go and what would they do? I mean, obviously there's a whole lot to pull from now, you know, but they were kind of going a certain direction, especially with the team that they had, um, uh, in the, in the series. So I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not, but never know. Yeah. Next up then. 
Next up, uh, nearly 42 years since the first ever Star Wars holiday special debuted in 1978. Lucasfilm has announced a brand new holiday special set to make its way to Disney Plus on Tuesday, November 17th, uh, which is the same day that the first special aired on CBS back in 78. However, this time, the beloved Star Wars characters will be featured in their Lego versions as they take on a Christmas Carol-like style with Rey and BB-8 going down memory lane to revisit some of the franchise's key moments. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and you can also see the original uh, version of the holiday special out there on YouTube somewhere. If it's not on, I don't think it's on Disney Plus. It may or may not be. Um, I should probably look real quick. But nevertheless, and of course, you know, this came out and people were like, "Oh God, why, why, why did you?" And some there were even some folks were saying, like, "Twenty twenty couldn't get any worse." You know, that kind of hyperbolic, hyperbolicness. Um, which, to be fair, it's. That original one was terrible. It was bad. Even as a young kid at the time, I was like, okay, this is cool. No, this was not that great. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen it. You can watch it for yourself. Like I said, it's out there. Like I said, at the time when you're like, what, three or four of which I probably was, you know, it was like, hey, it's Star Wars and all these people are... Actually, wait, I was about five or six. Uh, but anyway, regardless, you know, seeing all the people that was in the thing and all that kind of good mess was like, hey, cool, but it was not a great it was not great. Anywho, next up, um, Disney has, I do love this title, Disney has no Fox left to give as it renames TV studio to 20th Century. So they took the Fox out of the 20th Century Fox logo, folks, because it's Disney. Mm-hmm. It's, it, we're, in, we're in weird times now, folks. <laughs> but here we are. Next up. Um... So there is a preview out of uh, The Rock, a.k.a. Dwayne Johnson. Johnson's long-awaited turn as the DC anti-hero uh, Black Adam. Uh, the Rock, I love how this article keeps calling him Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, that's The Rock. Um, yeah, shared a new promo. What's that? Like, yeah, that's what he's going by more now. So. Right, because that's his real name. Um <laughs> Uh, he shared a new promo for DC Entertainment's upcoming online fan event, DC Fandom, uh, providing a look at the all-star cast assembling for the 24-hour event slated for August 22nd. At the end of the promo comes an ominous teaser promising a first look at Johnson as Black Adam with the figure seen standing at a distance while shrouded in darkness. Okay. Yeah. Next up, we have... Whoops. Oh crap, what did I do? Um, DC fandom releases massive. Wait, let me make sure I didn't click off something that I've been sensitive to. Sorry, folks. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, DC fandom releases massive lineup of talent and special guests for the virtual event. I will not go through all of it, but it's probably names that you will know from stuff that's coming out uh, and past places. But there's apparently Robert Pattinson, Gal Gadot, Linda Carter. Hey. And Venus Williams are amongst the names listed on the roster of talent and special guests. Uh, you can see said list here, which apparently um, was in a a um, Twitter video. Uh, it's a bunch of people. Like I said, you probably know most of them, and we expect a whole lot of them. Oh, Gabriel Piccolo, cool. Uh, next up. Next up, uh, comic writer Grant Morrison opened up about the script he penned 
for The Flash with the film's titular star, Ezra Miller. Uh, um, apparently, it had a Back to the Future vibe, in short. I mean, considering they're supposed to be doing Flashpoint? Sure, why? Okay, yeah. Next up, um, Legends of Tomorrow's Stars, Legends of Tomorrow's Astra will return as a series regular for season six. This would probably be a time for Agent 70 to do a who, but I'll save him the trouble. Yeah. Um, season five's finale of Loaded into Tomorrow saw the willful departure of Amaya and the forceful removal of Sarah from the Wave Rider, but at least one character still could stick around to come season six. Olivia Swan plays Astra, uh, who will return to series regular when the show resumes in 2021, a title that she has held since last year. Uh, in the season five finale, Astro returns John Constantine's soul coin to him and departed to live a normal life on Earth. So, okay. Next up. Next up. Uh, while the CW's Arrowverse shows may have hit a snag during the coronavirus pandemic, The Flash and Supergirl are celebrating their impending returns with a set of comic book inspired posters. Heroes will be reborn. Ha. <laughs> Uh, I know. Uh, I thought that same thing. <laughs> Flash's Twitter account wrote in a post accompanying an image of Iris West standing in front of a panel of shattered glass along with panels of her comic book counterpart and the Flash himself. Okay. Yeah, and there's also a couple other posters of other people, or at least, excuse me, one other person uh, of uh, apparently someone who's going to be in Supergirl. Who I'm still not caught up on either one of those, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, that Heroes for Ruby Reborn thing kind of kind of made me twitch for a second. <laughs> Next mm-hmm. up, uh, Jason Bateman to direct superhero novel adaptation Superworld for Mar- Mar- for excuse me for Warner Brothers. Uh, Jason Bateman is teaming up with Mark Perez for a Warner Brothers film about superheroes with one crucial t- twist on the formula. The movie will adapt the novel Superworld, which is set in a future world in which every person has a special gift or power, but centers on the sole exception, Ignatius Lohman, which pretty much sounds like his uh, um, um, Arrested Development uh, character's name, or a character name from that show. Anyway, his lack of superhero, um, superhuman abilities, he turns him into an advantage when he's faced with a villain whose power is to neutralize others' powers. So apparently, uh, it, it's been out on Audible, Audible, and it'll be coming out somewhere, possibly Netflix at some point. Next, all right. Uh, future Umbrella Academy comic books may use elements from the show. So the adaptation on Netflix of Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba's Dark Horse comic book is in its second season. And showrunner Steve Blackman has moved the story in some surprising directions that don't exactly line up with the comic book source material. However, Wei and Ba apparently will incorporate some of the new ideas Blackman and his writing team have come up with into future Umbrella Academy comic stories. That's according to um, uh, showrunner Steve Blackman. That's pretty cool. It's a a lot like how the MCU influences the, uh, the ongoing comic books. Right. Basically. Uh, have you watched the Umbrella Academy at all? I know people who have. I have not myself. I've heard good things about it. I have it on my list of things to watch. Same. Yeah. Matter of fact, I was just talking to somebody uh, the uh, uh, like last night, night before last, rather, um, and they were like, "Yeah, second season's a little eh," but the first season they had so much promise. And I, I, as far as I know, this person they're not that big on the comics, but you know, they were enjoying the show up to season two. 
Right. Uh, speaking of the Umbrella Academy, the Umbrella Academy unleashes a hallway fight scene to rival Daredevil. Um, which, okay, sure. So this is a spoiler for uh, season two, which is now on Netflix. Uh, second season of Umbrella Quality does something uh, the first only rarely did. It allowed its main characters to chance to cut loose. In the Netflix uh, first series, the, the only character who got to use his powers of, you know, I won't, won't go any further since I know you are going to do it. And this is going to kind of go into some spoilers territory. Uh, All right. But basically they get into some stuff and the, and the characters are able to cut loose. And apparently there's a hallway fight. Next up. The Steven Spielberg-backed Animaniacs reboot has a premiere date. First announced in 2018, the series has already received a two-season order. Each episode, each season will comprise 13 episodes, full of the usual Warner sibling mania. The first episode of the new Animaniacs will premiere on Hulu on November 20th, with the second season airing in 2021. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, but it's going to be on Hulu, and that sucks. There but, are ways around that. Yeah, I know. They're Anna, Mady, totally insane Dana Delaney. <laughs> There's a, whole, there's a whole thing. There's a whole video out there about that goes through that whole thing, uh, and it's enjoyable. Uh, next up, Noah Hawley's film is in danger due to space pandemic storyline. Uh, Legion and Fargo creator Noah Hawley's planned Star Trek movie appears to be in danger at Paramount, seemingly due to the plot uh, that the studio does not think would go over where uh, go over uh, in this climate due to the ongoing COVID nineteen pandemic. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Hawley's Star Trek film is currently, quote-unquote, on the back burner as Paramount's new motion picture group president, Emma Watts, uh, assesses the sci-fi franchise's future. Um, and it just kind of goes on from there about that. So, yeah, that, that movie might be up in the air. Next up. Uh, yeah, in related news, a new Deadline report has revealed that uh, there are three potential movies in the Star Trek franchise's future. Um, including Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie, and uh, those are named as possibly being in future as future installments in the franchise. But as Roddy Cat just mentioned, it's not all good news. Noah Hawley's uh, step into the final frontier has been put on hold. So, yeah, um, and sounds like even with that Tarantino one, he's not been officially attached to direct. So, yeah, go figure on that one. Moving right along, uh, Blazing Saddles is being remade as an animated samurai movie about cats uh, and dogs. So, this is not necessarily comic book related, but I thought this was uh, weird. Uh, so, if y'all of a certain vintage, or even if you're not, because Blazing Saddles is a movie that's kind of, you know, it probably wouldn't play well now, but... Mm -hmm. It's you know it's, it's it's considered a classic. It is a classic. I, I'll I'll go ahead and still say even if some of the problematic uh you know stuff that's featured in there, uh, it's still a classic. So apparently, this Los Angeles film company Align is helping develop an animated film called Blazing Samurai. The film takes place takes the basic premise of Blazing Saddles and transplanting it to the samurai era. Uh, the story follows a dog named Hank who dreams of becoming a samurai when he comes in charge of protecting uh, Kakamucho. He learns that the town is populated entirely by cats. You see where this is going if you if you uh, watch Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. They will more than likely not be. Excuse me while I whip this out. Joke. Next up. Next up, according to GI Joe Origins Snake Eyes star Henry Golding, the upcoming movie isn't your regular superhero adventure. Um, I mean, well, yeah, by proxy. 
Right. Well, you know, they're, they're soldiers. Yes. Um, but he claims that it's the exact opposite of the cookie cutter super people movies. Golding wrote on Twitter, wow, you guys are in for something insane. I can't wait for you all to get your mitts on this beast. Yowzers. He's literally grinning from ear to ear. Okay, good for him. That's a little hyperbolic, but he's also the star of the thing. So, right. you know, take that with whatever it is. We could use a, a good Giamo Gujo movie. Um, I have threatened to watch those last two for some because it came up recently for some reason, and I'm trying <laughs> to stop myself. Anyway, uh, I believe, uh, well, it's not last one, but next to last news in the cinematic front, uh, Netflix Transformers War for Cybertron Siege heavily altered three major Autobots. Uh, I put this in here just to talk about this one, and one, it's not, it, it is absolutely true because, like, they did do some. Man, uh, Optimus. I don't know what the heck they did to Optimus, but yeah. You watched it all, right? Correct? Because we talked about this. Yes, I have watched it. What did you think of it real quick? I kind of was put off a little by the new characterizations of these Mm -hmm. characters. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, It definitely was weird to see, you know, what's supposed to be a precursor, uh, you know, uh, um, movie to what we originally saw in uh the original transformers animated miniseries and the original introduction of these characters so you know they're 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 claiming that um bumblebee was a certain way before he joined up with the autobots and um the autobots were a lot were definitely on the losing end of the war for cybertron uh leading up to this point so um it was like I said, a little off-putting, but at the same time, I understood the choices they made. Right. Yeah. So, and also, it's worth noting because this pretty much seemingly takes place like after where the current Transformers book is going. Like it's pretty much heading to that direction from the other from the other way because it's before it started before the Decepticons were even a thing. And even when they talk about in this thing about, you know, Megatron and them being, you know, miners and whatever, like like all of that is kind of bearing out and he and prime being, you know, friends centered. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about the senator part in this thing. So I don't know. So I'm, I'm assuming they're all still playing from the same, uh, playbooks on, you know, on the comic front and this situation. I'm not entirely sure. This was done by Rooster Teeth's people and with you know, obviously Hasbro has handed it also. And yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way. Like even I just but you did see what I told you about the whole bumblebee thing because we talked about this like uh, after the show last week or week before last whichever that was and I was like, I don't know, that's kind of weird. And then there was a choice they made in the middle of it with Bumblebee and in a certain thing that he inherits from a character. I'm like, why would you right. go that way to even introduce that if you're just gonna do this? Uh, it's probably what leads to the character change. You know, to to lead, you know, it, it's not necessarily a natural evolution. I suppose, um, but no, but but at the same time, like the that would still be a stretch because the bubble we get the gotten '80s cartoon was nowhere near this so from go to that even if they were trying to go from that to that that, that would be a big stretch and even with what he inherited but there's he still two still, parts i was gonna say there's still two parts i know the series, i was gonna so. say that but i don't still don't think i don't still don't feel like they're going to they're, uh, it seems like they're going to keep a dark ter- darker tone to it which is oh that's definitely true yeah. yeah um and there's a couple of other characters that kind of get sh- sh- you know short sh- shrift or shafted also but we don't need to go to that maybe we could talk about it at some other point but right now let's uh i like what they did with mirage 
I kind of like that because that one kind of made the most sense, especially right. with the way he cool. would portray. I was just like, oh, okay, you know, like that's a cool ability. Well, no, he's been had that. He's already had that. It's just that no, I mean, they've only showed it. Yeah, they only showed it with just him doing it. Right. So yeah, well, they, I said, they that just was cool. yeah they just took the kind of the logical step in his abilities. And, um, but even right, that's the what way, I mean. The expansion upon upon right. that particular uh, ability, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, th- that was too. Um, but even like the way they had him portrayed, kind of was kind of on point with the somewhat on point with how he, he was written because he was kind of like, well, actually, he was more of a pacifist sort of in the original. Uh, if I remember correctly, but regardless of that, but yeah, there was some character things that was like kind of weird. RC just kind of shows up out the blue. I'm like, how are you just going to let her, how are you just going to treat her like that? They, <laughs> they treated her because they were putting the stress on, on a new character. Well, what leader, what leader, leader one, leader one is not new. Oh, she's not. No. Oh, okay. See, that's, I'm not as well informed on transformer lore. So, well, so she's, so in the original, she gets talked about, uh, every now and then as being her and primer links. So they do play right. up on that. But they have given her since given her a lot more background and story with like, okay. this and so stuff. So, that's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so she was definitely a character that's been, you know, around. And they've even pulled for some Japanese stuff too. They even pulled from the new movies for goodness sake too, because like there was a uh, Black Barricade, or apparently from the movie, and they pulled um, for some Japanese stuff also for some of the characters. Right. Like, yeah. For whatever reason, you know, they keep trying to push Barricade. I'm like, stop, Michael Bay, get exactly. away from us. Yeah, and I kind of feel that same way about Bumblebee, but that, but I've already talked about that last week. Um, but Overwatch is actually pretty good. Like, yeah, I'm waiting to see with these other two channels. I do wish they would have kept that other one they did, though, because there was another web series that was on YouTube that was on, I think it was on, actually on Machinima, or no, it was on Machinima. I wish they kind of kept that. But, All right. But that was not this. Like, there was like, uh, that was pretty much uh, the combiner stuff, like the, you know, like uh, Devastator and all of them kind of came into play. Maybe they'll bring it back. I don't think so. Uh, but this trilogy thing they're doing right now, um, I feel like that was kind of a part of that, but they pretty much wiped that off the face of YouTube. I don't even know if it's even around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're a fan, and of course the Transformer sounds are there. They're, like I said, the characterizations of sound and some of the other stuff that kind of happens, uh, even motivations. Weirdly enough, to feel like they they took some of that from Beast, uh, Beast Machines. Uh, and even that was kind of like, well, iffy and not weird. even Beast Wars. I gotcha. Yeah, like I feel like their motivations kind of feel more like out of Beast Machines than than anything. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was kind of weird. But yeah, still there is a lot of Transformers I am not familiar with. So. Yeah, so there is. Oh, so uh, so that being said, um, so we can keep on going. There is a something in the clickbait section, which I thought I put it in the clickbait section, uh, and I didn't, but I will. Uh, article about all of the random, seemingly random, um, uh, homages to other, basically the, all of the Transformers issues. Yeah, the references. I got yeah. you. Yeah, Except yeah. For no, RC. I, I, I would appreciate reading that because yeah, I'll uh, put it in the show notes. I did, I did pull it to do just that. Right. I definitely would need something, some help with that. So, Although they didn't uh, put, so RC does show up and they don't even have it in that article. So that was kind of, I, was, I like RC. RC was good. They don't show any of the other, like later on characters, like RC for the one to one. And they even go so far. Well, that's a spoiler. So if y'all haven't seen it by this point, cause this thing's been out a couple of weeks. They do go lengths to kind of get back to where the, to get to, you know, the beginning where G one is where G one is. Yeah. So, okay. and I was kind of wondering if they were actually going to pull it or pull it off in the end of that because it's like, wait, these people are still kind of. Oh wait, okay, they took care of that. 
So, cool. although there was one that didn't, that seemed like that was with them that didn't make the ship, but they that but this character probably came on later on, which makes sense. So, anyway, it's it's a good look. I'm I am also waiting for the next couple of chapters. Um, now we're going to pivot over to the comic book news. I was about to say, there's one more movie. Um, oh, right. I'm sorry. Oh, shoot. No, you're right. And I thought this was comic book news. It's not. Go for it. All right. Uh, so in 2018, Netflix announced that it would be producing a live action Avatar The Last Airbender series, which would feature Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko as showrunners, the duo who created the animated series back in 2005. However, DiMartino revealed they both stepped away from the project in a recent blog post as production was not going as planned. Uh, Netflix said that it was uh, committed to honoring their vision for this retelling and to supporting them on creating the series, DiMartino wrote. Um, but unfortunately, things did not go as we ha- as they had hoped. Uh, Netflix responded uh, to the blog, and um, Netflix's statement says, uh, we have a complete respect and admiration for Michael and Brian and the story that they created in the Avatar animated series. Um, this was published via The Verge. Uh, it continues, although they have not, cho- although they have chosen to depart the live action project, we are confident in the creative team and their adaptation. Okay. That's Interesting. Probably, yeah, that's probably fine. I'm kind of curious. That there's something that's probably not being told, but it's probably for the best. Because as we know from that other live action um, Avatar movie, but that is also um, M. Night Shyamalan. So, you know, some of these live action things don't always go well. Yep, 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 yep. All right, so now we are going to pivot over to the comic book news. That's a shout out to what we were just talking about. Oh, I didn't even hear it. Oh, no. Oh, you know what? I almost forgot. <laughs> so we, yeah, we had to switch over to, to Hangouts for this last That's part, so. right. That's right. I've got to change a couple of settings myself. Anyway, you can start with the next story while I get that up and running. Sure. Uh, Invincible animated series sneak peek included ends free comic book day title. Uh, Invincible, Invincible fans can get their first look at the upcoming animated uh, series thanks to f- the free comic book day which probably is already out at the because uh, this auto school's a couple of weeks old. Uh, for the event, uh, Skybound and Image Comics released a reprint of the first Invincible comic by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker. Skybound noted on its official Twitter that the issue would only be available via comic shops. Uh, someone on Twitter posted screen, huh? I was about to say, uh, just, uh, just checking, you heard me say that? You hear me speaking now, correct? I hear you speaking, yes. There we go. There we go. All right. Just a subtle change, folks. Sorry about that. Sorry to interrupt. It's all good. I was pretty much finished. But basically, some Twitter user posted screenshots of the extra material. And uh, it's again, it's probably out there at this point because this was from um, a couple of weeks ago. Next. Alrighty, after two, after nearly two decades out of print, the first arc of Gen 13, remember that, is coming back in print according to a listing on the book trade database service Edelweiss. In 2021, <laughs> DC plans to re-release Gen 13, starting over a collection of roughly the first two years worth of stories created by J. Scott Campbell, Jim Lee, and Brandon Troy. Okay. Edelweiss. I know, right? So if you're missing your, uh, get to, don't get enough of your J. Scott Campbell covers, here's a whole book he did. There you go. 
next up. Uh, from Teen Titans Beast Boy, Guard takes on the Carolina Reaper in a new preview. Uh, with the original the graphic novel now a month away, well, actually probably less than a month away given the when this article was, uh, a sneak peek at Beast, uh, sneak, well, a sneak peek at Teen Titans Beast Boy shows Garfield Logan taking on the Carolina Reaper challenge. Cause you know, Gar loves to, uh, do it for the gram. Okay. So, and you can see a preview here and check that out. Uh, and it's probably going to be out in a couple of weeks now at this point, because since they said a month and that's, this article is slightly old. Next up. All right. So apparently uh, an Arrowverse hero is hiding something big from Superboy Jonathan Kent. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, a person that's been in the comics also. There's not a right. Arrowverse person. Right. I had to that. go through the I had to go to the second paragraph to see what. Um, to see which character this is. And uh, it is a character introduced in the Arrowverse, but as Roddy Cat mentioned, it is a longtime comic book character, uh, a, um, a longtime member of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, it is Monel the Daxamite. So uh, he's got something to hide, and uh, we'll find out what that is. Yeah, if you're reading that book, because um, neither one of us are. Yeah, DC, exactly. DC gives Bruce Wayne and Catwoman a new introduction. So this is spoilers for Batman Gotham Knights number 15, which I believe just came out this week. Um, or last week. I don't remember. Either way, it's out probably. Um, Batman and Catwoman's relationship has always been on one of the most important aspects of both their lives, especially in recent years. Despite this, the, the, the canon pair of them have bickered over how they actually met in the current history of the DC Universe. And while Batman Gotham Knights isn't strictly canon, it does have a surprisingly clever idea of how the pair actually met. Uh, and for if, if you really care about how that is, you can read the rest of the article. Next up. All right, next up, these are spoilers for uh, Deceased Dead Planet number two. Uh, this is the next issue of Tom Taylor and Trevor Harrison's um, series. Uh, this is based off of the original Deceased, where a technological version of the anti-life equation destroys almost all life on Earth. Uh, essentially, uh, Zatanna tells... What's that? Right, zombies. zombies. And Zatanna tells a uh, fire to flame off. And uh, apparently that kills her. So, spoilers out there, folks. Yeah. But of course, it's Zatanna, so she had to do it backwards. Uh, next up, the Flash heading towards something really big within DC mythology, quote unquote. That's been building for for four years, so we do know that Joshua uh, Williamson is exiting uh, the, the Flash book at some point. Uh, actually, within what six issues, five six issues, because I think the new issues just came out, and that, I think that's the start of this. Uh, yeah. Williamson's run on The Flash ends on with September 22nd, uh, 762. But the writer has given has revealed to, to Newsarama, aka Games Radar, that he's getting a victory lap of sorts with uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal tie-in one-shot Speed Metal, also on sale September 22nd. But um, it says here that in the current arc uh, finish line, Barry Allen, Allen reunites with the Flash family as they battle towards Eobon Thorn. Uh, and if you don't want to get, well, I'm not going to, because this is basically the rest of this is a, a interview with uh, Joshua Williamson about that stuff. And I did kind of get a glimpse of what's happened in, happened in the recent 
the into this week's book, even though I'm not really reading it. So, yeah. Next up, I was about to say, excellent. Yay! I forgot exactly. to play that when I was talking about death metal. Yeah. So, so uh, unfortunately, we have some uh, tough news to report in the midst of uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, although whether or not that was truly uh, that was truly a reason behind this news, we don't know. Mm. Uh, on Monday, Warner Media laid off several members of the DC Universe app and DC Comics editorial. Um, the layoffs have affected a significant number of high-level figures at Comic Book Powerhouse DC. Um, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter and several other uh, media outlets. Among those said to be losing their positions are Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris, Senior VP of Publishing Strategy and Support Services Hank Canals, VP of Marketing and Creative Services, Jonah Weiland, formerly of CBR, VP Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, Bobby Chase, formerly of Marvel, Senior Story Editor, Brian Cunningham, and Executive Editor, Mark Doyle, who oversaw the rollout of the Black Label graphic novels. Jim Lee remains the CCO, but may not remain the publisher. There are several things, several shoes that still have to drop. Yeah, um, there. Uh, this has been a big thing over the last couple of days, um, you know, and people are, are talking about well, this is a bad, you know, as we said earlier before the show, like, yeah, this was kind of a bad time to do this, especially given, you know, the DC fandom thing coming up, which may or may not have anything to do with, like, I think what you just said. Um, right. Right. That's just the co- that's an added complication, really, because right. DC fandom is coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it next week? The 20... 22nd. Oh, it's the twenty. Oh, so it's a little bit further than a week away, but still, yeah. um, it's re, it, it's coming up, and it's it's at the very least awkward timing. Yeah, uh, for this to happen before DC's version of uh, a summer comic con. Right. Also worth noting, though, like granted, the fact that it happened is still a big. You know, a lot of people lost their their jobs, and you know, hopefully, people, you know will be able to um, go out gracefully or, and, or, you know, land somewhere else. Um, Cause right, and recover. Else. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, especially during these days and times. But I was just going to say that this has kind of been a thing that's been up in the air for a minute. Like we, we've been, you know, there's been rumors and rumbling, especially, you know, once uh, HBO max became a thing, but even before then, uh, like, within the probably the last year, I would say, uh, probably, you know, the fate of DC under, you know, under, uh, AT&T and, uh, you know, Warner brothers. Uh, so we, you know, this is kind of something that we, that's probably was going to happen at some point. Uh, we just did not know when, how, or if, or how bad it was going to be. I feel like, um, but yeah, and the the article there's an article from a source here saying something about DC Universe and you know its position and things from a source. We don't know if that's actually true, just some source. But yeah, condolences to everybody affected by by this over at DC because this is this is kind of a big blow. Um, but next up, unless you got something else. No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. This is you. Oh yeah. Uh, Greg Rucker and Brian Business teach comic book writing in the latest round of Hero Initiative of uh, Pro Fan Experiences. 
uh, along with some other folks. Uh, three comic book classes, damn you, auto-playing video, um, make up half of the Hero Initiative's latest profan live experiences line up, the proceeds of which go to the organization's uh, mission of helping comic book creators in medical or financial need. Uh, Mike, Brian Michael Bender's return for a fourth quote-unquote center master of his comic book writing class, all open to 25 would-be comic writers. Um, also, Greg Rucka um, is conducting his first class, and uh, let's see, Matt, uh, a, a few other people we don't necessarily, but I think I feel like we've talked about some of the names involved with this before. Uh, but you can check out the rest of the article if you had not recognized that. Next up. Alrighty. Uh, next up, um, Suicide Squad game in the works from Batman Arkham Maker Rocksteady. Uh, so there's set to be a full announcement from Rocksteady that a Suicide game, Suicide Squad game is uh, in development. Uh, the full announcement is coming within the next two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's been teased, right? It's been teased in a movie style poster tweet on f- this past Friday morning. Yeah, um, uh, so this is going to be an announcement at Fandom, and this seems more, especially since it's coming from Rocksteady, a more uh, confirmed, uh, you know, this is more confirmed than than rumors in the past. Because there's been a rumors of this game and a Superman game and other games in the past, so. Yeah, we'll see when it when there's actually when the official announcement come, comes out. Uh, speaking of uh, DC video game properties, Injustice Three, featuring the Watchmen, has been seemingly teased by Boss Logic. Now we know Boss Boss Logic, but he you know he does my customer stuff, the stuff that does that seems true and could be likely, uh, but doesn't necessarily always pan out to be an actual thing. Uh, but in this case. Well, actually, not not even in this case. This is probably the, the, um, so. Uh, Boss Logic puts up a um, um, a, a treatment for an Injustice Three logo on Twitter, uh, and it says technically it's Injustice Three with the three as an E, but I can't bring myself to type more than that. So we don't know if it's just one of another one of his treatments or if this is something that's actually in the works that could be possibly announced. We do know a lot of people want an Injustice Three, including myself. Uh, but it says here, it's not entirely clear if this is official, obviously, but Boss Logic has done a lot of official artwork for games, including in the Assassin's Creed Valhalla reveal, plenty of Street Fighter art. Uh, there's also a little matter of DC's upcoming Fandom event on the 22nd. So, we'll see. I'm not entirely sure about it because Mortal Kombat 11 has kind of just, well, it's been out for a minute, but it's kind of just kind of still kicking around, so I, I don't know if NetherRealm would be that ready to, to start up on and just granted it'll be the same engine and some of the same you know some of the same background stuff that just need you know and there is even like the jokers in, in mortal kombat 11 at this point you know going back the other way so it's possible they could very much turn around we just don't know if it's uh if it's a uh, Something's gonna happen. By the way, there's a, there's, there's people talking about a Def Jam uh, game, which we had still hadn't seen any news for. That's not comic book news, but I would want that if it is actually something. Okay. So another Def Jam fighting game. Uh, next up. Alrighty, next up. Uh, all the video game stuff in the way. All right. Um. Remember when toys were fun? Hasbro's $575 Unicron figure 
takes almost an entire hour to transform. This is one of the HasLab. Um, this was the HasLab uh, uh, projects that was funded. Um, shout out to the Sentinel uh, that I I'm still on the fence on, but leaning against getting because I don't want to pay for three of them. Mm. Um, you know that's a little tough, but uh, you know it managed. You know the the, the Unicron found eight thousand backers that put it into production, and apparently it takes a long time to transform, as this article already stated. Right? Wasn't this the first Haslabs um, funded thing? Yeah. But these things take a while, yeah, you know, to put into production. Yeah. So I remember seeing the Unicron at was it last year's New York Comic Con? Yeah, we talked about it I, when they when it first showed. Right, no, but I got a picture of it. Right, I got you know, I saw it in the in the in the Hasbro booth. Mm-hmm. So I definitely saw it, you know, um, on display in one of the glass cases, and it was pretty impressive. Um, definitely got pictures of it. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, just an anecdote, you know, just in, in related uh, in related news, as I mentioned, the HasLab Sentinel won't go into won't go into production until uh, next year and won't be out, you know, street dated, you know, won't be sent out to backers until the fall of next year. Hmm. So it does take a while for it to, you know, to get the tooling together, get that all uh, the production uh, going. Right, and I believe the stretch goes kind of is you know is, is adding to that because of what they said. So I think I can't remember. You would know better. Next up, though, uh, Marvel's Avengers gets cosmetic bonuses on PS4 and PS5. Uh, so it's not just your your Spider-Man that's going to be exclusive to Sony uh, systems, according to this article. Uh, Marvel's Avengers has been teasing PlayStation exclusive content and recently announced that everyone's favorite wall crawler Spider-Man will be only available to PS4, PS5. Um, see, as detailed on the PlayStation blog, each time a new hero launches, PlayStation players will get a 30-day exclusive access to one of their legendary outfits, emotes, epic takedowns, and nameplates. Okay, so that's not as bad, but people are still grousing about some of the stuff. Um... That includes each of the launch heroes. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Along with any post-launch heroes like Hawkeye. Uh, in addition, PlayStation Plus members will get a free bundle alongside the launch of any new hero. That bundle uh, includes a rare outfit, uh, nameplate, and 100 credits. At launch, you will get a Miss Marvel bundle. So, uh, kind of sucks to be on Xbox at this point. But, you know, that's kind of how video games have been working. Uh, worth notice that uh, um, beta access is going on right now for... Actually, this weekend is the Xbox PC uh, closed beta. Next week will be open beta for all, all consoles. Uh, the PS4 was last weekend, and people were on it. I was not going to buy that game just to get into the beta. No one I was going to buy the game anyway at launch, even if I had the money. Uh... So, yeah, there we go, folks. Next up. <laughs> All right. Next up, Null, the titular king in black of Marvel's upcoming Venom-centric crossover event, is bringing an apparent army with him to Earth. And rather than the Clintar symbiotes, one might expect the winged bat-like creatures featured in Marvel Comics' latest teaser for the event bear more of a resemblance to DC's parademons, the flying minions of Darkseid, in Jack Kirby's fourth world mythos. Mythos. Okay. Nice. 
Uh, X-Men finally unmask Weapon 15 after 17 years. Haha. And this is a spoiler from Giant Size X-Men Phantom X, which we talked about last week. But I'm pretty sure we didn't mention, but it's fine. Um, right. I didn't realize it was the first time they were unmasking them. Yeah. So. Uh, whoever Ultima, if you know who Ultimata, Ultimaton is, then there you go. And if you watched the video, you just saw it. So, moving right along. In interesting news. Kind of. I thought this was really interesting. No, because of the creator. Because of the, because of the creator combination. Oh, That's I know. Oh, I know. But th- I will. Because I uh, U.S. Agent is returning in a new Marvel series from Christopher Priest, of all people. Mm-hmm. John Walker, the man who once replaced uh, replaced Steve Rogers as Captain America, is returning to his own title under his classic moniker, U.S. Agent. And he's once again following in Steve Rogers' footsteps, this time in a very different way. It's written by Christopher Priest, welcome back to Marvel, with art from Stefano Landini. U.S. Agent launches with a story entitled American Zealot, in which Walker departs his service to the U.S. government. Interesting, interesting, interesting to see how Priest will take on the character of John Walker. Yeah, so folks know, I am a big fan. A lot of us are on the show, uh, a big fan of the Priest. Um, you know, James Owsley! <laughs> yeah, so people still, still do that. Um, but yeah, we're fans of Priest here. So on that respect, I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I want to read this because it's Priest. But it's also U.S. agent, and I can't stand U.S. agent. <laughs> I don't like U.S. Agent. I have said this many times, but I'm probably going US to read agent, this. U.S. Agent is definitely a commentary on 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 several aspects of uh, American po- political life, American philosophy mm-hmm. uh, since his introduction. Since his introduction, yeah, he's right uh, under Mark Grunewald back in the day. You know yeah. what's funny is that I never realized that I have his first appearance. It's kind of funny. Oh, do you? He's in. Uh, He's in the. Um, I, I didn't realize that he was. His first appearance was in the. Um, what should we call it? The, the anniversary border issue of Captain America. Oh, I might have that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. The oh, 25th anniversary. Um, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of funny that he appeared there, and I just don't remember him. I remember him later when he became a candidate for uh, 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 replacing Cap uh, with those great, great Mike Zek covers. Mm. So. Um, but anyway, he was a shitty uh, cap. I'll and be he was interested. A, even worse, U.S. agent. What's that? He was a shitty cap, and he was even worse, U.S. agent. There you go. I don't disagree. I will just say that this particular creative team, especially with Chris Priest writing this, definitely piques my interest to see how they treat this character. Definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, like I gotta, I gotta check it out because it's Priest. But like I said, I, I'm just. This would probably be the closest the closest thing you'll find to, for me getting a hate read. And I hate oh, yeah. I even hate but that term. Is, right, but the thing is, it's the creative team. Yeah, it's the creative team that definitely piques your interest. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it was nice to see Priest uh, uh, back in comics after a long hiatus. Um, you know, yeah, that he Deathstroke was on run was good. What's that? That Deathstroke run was good. Yeah, exactly. After that Deathstroke run got uh, a, a lot of positive reviews, it's nice to see him doing uh, other stuff, so. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it says here, USA number one is due out in November, and yeah, this is uh, no uh, solicitations aren't officially out yet, but they're coming uh, soonish. 
probably in the next couple of days or as of as of this recording, probably in the next couple of days. But regardless, there you go. Black Cat uh, brings uh, back a menacing Spider-Man villain. So this is about excuse me, Black Cat number 12, which we talked about uh, last week. And Agent 70 was more right than I was about this. But then again, I was not really knowing. So apparently uh, that person that we saw in the last page of the book was called, it's called the cat queen, Lily Hollister and spoilers, which we've already run before the bell. I will probably put the tag on it before this thing. Anyway, I should probably do that anyway. Just, just on, just on principle. Uh, mm-hmm. But Lily Hollister was introduced in J. Michael Straczynski's and Joe Casada's amazing Spider-Man uh, for a uh, five forty-five. Uh, as one more day trans- transitioned into brand new day. Yeah. Lily, the daughter of an important politician, was romantically involved with Harry Osborne. I apologize if I scared anybody. Um, with Harry Osborne before she eventually stumbles upon directions to a green goblin hideout and spills an experimental version of the goblin formula onto herself. So apparently that's who this person is was and i guess she became menace was her name looks like right i remember as menace i don't remember her as uh the queen cat yeah i don't know i don't know if that's like the article writer calling her that or if that was what she went by so yeah that was wild yeah that makes me want to Google that, man. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I almost did, but I, uh, I, like, I was like, well, before, well, obviously there was no more Black Cat, but probably whenever it gets taken back up again. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, next up. Oh, wait, hold on. Apparently, this is this this happened uh, a while ago. Mm. Oh yeah. No. Oh jeez. This first this character first appeared. Uh... Well, yeah, I already mentioned that, but. No, 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 no. The uh, what you call it as as the queen cat. Oh, back in wait. Oh, weird. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, neither of us recognize it. Probably, I recognize her more as menace. To be honest, you know, when she was kind of like a pseudo uh, green goblin. That's right. wild. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Goblin Nation. Was this? No, I was thinking Spider Island. Never mind. I'm thinking of something totally different. So. Um, yeah, the, you know, I was going to have to, I'm going to have to like maybe go through, uh, God, I was going to say go through my, my, my comic archives in the drawer boxes, but there's Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to dig in the back issues, which I still can do, uh-huh. but, um, but yeah, uh, uh, I can just check Marvel Unlimited for this after the show. Yeah. All right. Next up, um, in, um, the new reboot, or at least back to basics reboot, uh, under the under the watchful eye of Christopher Cantwell and uh, Cafu um, of Iron Man, um, Tony Stark is going to be brought back to basics in a sense, getting his hands dirty and taking on much more concrete level threats. Uh, it's not all nitty gritty, along with some classic Marvel villains like Arcade and Absorbing Man. Iron Man's going to take on the classic cosmic villain Korvac. And uh, tangle with the one-time herald of Galactus, Terax. And he's also going to cross paths with 70s Marvel icon, Hellcat, and 90s vigilante, Cardiac. Interesting. I was about to say, Hellcat is still running around. What is he talking about? But, okay. 
What do you mean? Patsy Walker? Right, no, but it says he's going to cross paths with her. Yeah, no. I'm like, it's just, it's, it makes it sound like, like she ain't been around in a while. Like, no, she's kind of been around hmm. in the last few years. I was about uh, to say, if you follow Cafu on social media, he's been posting uh, some art uh, with Iron Man and Hellcat in it. So it's nice. pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, I like our Kefu's art. He's, he's good. Um, also, worth noting, and I, I shouldn't have to say this again, but this is the Hot to Catch Fire Christopher Cantwell, not the white supremacist. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still like, I, uh, there's a good reason why I don't know of the, of the latter and only of the former. Well, if you, if you Google his name, the, the, the latter comes up. Exactly. Then it has to, yeah. Yeah. Well, shouldn't have to, but you know, it. You know, that's kind of what happens with, you know, <laughs> you know, surgeon job optimization, folks, um, and people having the same names. Uh, yep. Have you tried googling your name lately, folks? Ah. Anyway, next up, let's keep this train rolling by saying Colin Bunn launches Dungeons and Dragons inspired fantasy comics, sad fantasy comic. Deepest Catacombs. Uh, writer Colin Bunn, Colin Bunn, excuse me, is teaming up with over a dozen artists for Deepest Catacombs, a Dungeons & Dragons-inspired fantasy comic that harkens back to the franchise's one-page advertisements, or advertisements, if you are elsewhere. Um, Deepest Catacombs will be released online starting the week of August 9th, which means it's already out, uh, as one-page featurettes with a different artist illustrating each page. So you've probably already seen this out there on Twitter or someplace else, because uh, this, uh, this article is uh, like a week or so old. Uh, but Bun will make also make Deepest Catacombs available to read free through his Patreon page. So you can go check that out there. They even got the Redbox uh, homage cover, which is always appreciated. And apparently the, the new starter kit for Dungeons & Dragons is uh, worth getting if you're, if you're new to the game. Anyway, cool. next up. Next up, just days after winning an Eisner Award for Best New Series... The creator-owned series Invisible Kingdom has been announced to be switching from single issues to a graphic novel model. Following the release of Invisible Kingdom number 10 back in February, the series will continue in the form of an OGN with the next and final volume due out in the first quarter of 2021. An 11th issue was originally solicited at the beginning of the year for a June 24, 2020 debut, but co-creator artist Christian Ward revealed on Twitter that serialization of the series was being aborted due to COVID-19. The OGN will include what would have been issues 11 through 14 with the artist tweeting that he's already working on the penultimate chapter. Mm. Okay. I've never read uh, Invisible Kingdom. Have you? No. And I was going to say that I thought it, I thought it was in graphic novel form. (laughs) If you had told told me that I've been like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. But all right. Yeah, I feel well, like did we I feel like we had gotten like the first issue of that. Not that I think about it in in the box, but I don't remember. Re- I definitely didn't read it. I had it intended okay. to though. Anyway, um IDW Publishing terminates publisher Judd Myers. Uh IDW Publisher Publishing has terminated its recently promoted publisher Judd Myers. Uh and it's there's a excuse me, sorry. Um auto playing messages here. I hate it. Uh, IDD, IDW Publishing is part of ways with Judd Meyer and would like to thank everyone for their discretion, reads the publisher's brief statement on Meyer's termination. Meyer's termination comes 16 days after his promotion to publisher, 
was announced. Five days after that promotion, he was he was placed on administrative leave. Uh, doesn't necessarily say why. So these days and times is probably impropriety, but we we can't really say that's actually true. So whatever happened happened. Next up. Next up, um, Valiant Entertainment relaunched their flagship title, XO Manowar, back in March 2020, <laughs> and then COVID-19 happened. Mm-hmm. Well, the publisher has now booked a return date. XO Manowar number two has been scheduled for release November 25th with writer Dennis Hopeless Hallam and artist Emilio Leizo uh, returning to continue the ongoing series. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopeland using his actual name, last name now because I know he, he started doing that in recent years. Yep, in the yep. recent year yep. too. Um, but for, yeah. Good for getting that back on the schedule. Yeah, I was about to say because I feel like I remember when this happened. And it was like, ooh, this is very terrible timing. Yep. So, but yeah, there you go. Uh, none of us read Valiant, so it is. Well, I, I've read some Quantum Woody, but whatever. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, a.k.a. Destro, returns as Ninth Doctor for Audio Adventures series. I was about to say, you mean Malekith? That also, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Doctor Who alum Christopher Eccleston will return as the Ninth Doctor in an all-new audio series titled Doctor Who The Ninth Doctor Adventures from Big Finish Productions and BBC Studios. The new audio adventure series will release as four separate box sets, each containing three episodes. Uh, first box set was scheduled to, is scheduled to debut in May 2021. No further details have been released at this time, so the plot is still under wraps. The series writers and additional cast will be announced at a later date, which means there will probably be more articles about trickling out about which one. Um, quote unquote, after 15 years, it'll be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor world, bringing back uh, to life a character I loved playing, except for he left after one series uh, season because he didn't want to play it anymore. But yeah, sure. Ah. Um, you know, I have thoughts about his doctor, but never. I'm not going to do that. It's not the place for that. Next up, and part of me is just like, uh, hmm? no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shout out to the penul- There you go. In our penultimate story, uh, DC is going to continue to shine a bright spotlight on its new bat villain punchline in a just announced 48 page one shot special in november the special is written by uh batman scribe james tinian the fourth and sam johns dc's crime of passion of dc's crime of fashion with art by mirka and dolfo uh from dc comics's bombshells and will feature covers by yasmin putri and frank cho oh, starring the joker's new field general the special promises to take readers behind the origins of the character that the publisher has given a lot of attention to in 2020. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're making punchline happen or trying to make a punchline happen. They're trying. Exactly. Yeah. Not necessarily the same as fetch, but we'll see. I know some people don't like her for whatever other reason, but some, some people, people don't also like women, but that's all the story. DC reveals dark Knight's death metal. Number five and two, 
new specials. Uh, this is something that I assume is going to come out, or at least this article is going to come out with the solicitation, since sometimes that stuff trickles out. Uh, DC's latest epic multiversal meltdown event, Dark Knight's Death Metal, reaches a pinnacle in this November. And the publisher has revealed early solicitations uh, for a fifth of Dark Metal's seven issues, for the fifth, excuse me, uh, in which the Darkest Knight, <laughs> the Lord, the Darkest Knight has conquered the multiverse along with two tie-in issues focusing on the main man himself, Lobo, uh, an evil version of the Super Pets, and more. They're really milking this. Excellent! Thank you. And I believe one of those is probably that one shot from Dr. Uh, Josh Ritter Williamson that, um, yeah, that we mentioned earlier. Uh, and that, folks, is that. Uh, we are here at the end of the show, and as uh, we do about this time, we'll set up another ad read. Our last ad read of the night for Blue Apron. Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store, and that's what you want to do nowadays and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through CSPN.us. Do it today. Oops. And as we come to the end of another exciting episode of the Cumber Chronicles with our frozen faces, hopefully into uh, the show up on the screen. Uh, thank you for coming out. Thank you for putting up with our tech- technical issues. If you were here for the live um uh, live uh, show recording. If you were not and listening to the audio version of this, you don't know what in the world we're talking about. <laughs> because I yeah, will have probably be like, edited a lot of it out. There's going to be like three links to the show on YouTube this week. Uh, two. Oh, we, two? Okay. Yeah, because we didn't because I didn't stop recording the the second time, and luckily gotcha. it didn't kill. It didn't stop. Gotcha, gotcha. But again, if you were on the audio version, you wouldn't know that. Uh, but guess what, folks? There is an audio version. There's also a video version that usually works fine. But anyway, uh, I have been Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnet on Twitter. You can find me at New, um, the, 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 the CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, wow, I do have a mean mug on the face. I apologize for that in advance. Um, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt who was not here um, on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com, uh, and the umbrella sites therein, and also bite, assuming that's still a thing under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim D O D G nine eight on Twitter, Dio Cyrus of this ish. You can find him there. Um, you can also find him on the Click Nation on on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, dclicknation.com. You can also find them at CB Cron uh, yeah, um, on Twitter, who he mans that site, which I kind of feel like I want to get. No, 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 I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. uh, CB Cron on Twitter, that's the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. Go over there, say hi, you know, 
you know, tell them what up, tell us what up, you know, we see all that stuff. Um, you can also go check him out over on Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. And folks, that is it. We will be, well, excuse me, that is not it, sorry. Um, you can find this here podcast on uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, and the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. But you can also find it on the Coles Lither Podcast Network, and that is CSPN.us. Do it today. Absolutely. If y'all get a chance to go over there, um, go look up the Coles Lither Podcast. First of all, go look at the, uh, the archive. That, that stuff is also, I think, on SoundCloud. Might be possibly. Actually, it's separate. But go check that out. But go check out episode 50, which was um, uh, them talking about the G.I. Joe movie because I think we talked about it last week, now that's about Retaliation, which is mm-hmm. the second movie in the franchise. But also, uh, as a bonus, they basically did a live watch of the Cole Slither uh, G.I. Joe cartoon, which, hence, the name of the channel comes from. It's a treat. You should go check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need something something to do. Cole Slither podcast was great. I miss those guys doing that show. Um, if it wasn't for that, the Comic Chronicles wouldn't be here. Like, actually, really. Anyway, um, so there is that, folks. Uh, we will be back next Thursday, hopefully technical difficulty free on the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, Thursday nights. You know the drill. And, of course, the audio comes out sometime later, probably Saturday Sunday, on um, the, the CSPN, like we said. So, yeah, we'll try to treat us out on our on social media. And with that, folks, uh, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah.